as this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. In the following podcast, there will be thoughts and opinions expressed that in no way reflect your federation, this station, website, or affiliated partners. Who is this? How dare you... Who I am is not important. Listen to discretion is... Klingon best. Space. The final frontier. These are the voyages of Starship Trips. Her ongoing mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new content and new stuff. To follow the girl word, no podcast has gone forth. Hello and welcome to episode 251 of Tribbles and Ecstasy. I'm your host, Midnight Shadow, and joining me in the studio today, we have got... Oh my god, we have so much stuff. It's the best stuff. It's the greatest stuff. Trust me. Good evil. Stu-dog. What's up, guys? Timberwolf here, ready to blow some stuff up. And we have also got a guest panelist today. The name is Mr. Valakin. Welcome to the show. Hello, happy to be here. Hi, buddy. Oh god, who let him in here? Thanks, man. <laughs> he's he's a man who can blow things up really fast. And this teach is true. other people how to blow things up really fast. So for people who don't know about you, do you want to give a little bit of information about who you are and about the streaming that you do? Uh, I'm a content creator for both streaming, Twitch, and for YouTube. Uh, I dedicate myself to helping the SDO community, either it be information about, well, anything, builds for ships, how to make a living in EC and DIL, how to complete queues, pretty much any in any question you could possibly ask in SDO, I'm there to answer. That's my aim, anyway. And um, that's pretty much all I do. <laughs> <laughs> and where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at uh, youtube.com slash mrvelican, or one word. And on Twitch, it's slightly different. It's ValicanFX. Um, the FX was a play on words for FX for um, <laughs> graphical, uh, you know, FX. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> right, anyway. So yeah, twitch.tv slash ValicanFX. How long have you been playing Stowe for? Six years now, I think. Since its release in beta. Um, I didn't really play it during the beta completely. I, as soon as it went to PC and was free to play, that's when I started to really get onto Star Trek. Uh, a friend of mine 
don't tell the Star Trek community, but I wasn't a Star Trek fan at all. <laughs> <gasps> well, that's uh, fired. I, uh, yeah, my, my friend John was a big Star Trek fan, and he was always looking for games to play with me in some shape or form. So he said, try this one out. So uh, he came around my house, showed me the game, I downloaded it, and we leveled up together. And um, this is when I met my American friends, which no longer play the game anymore, but they got me into uh, high-level gameplay. And from there on, we just PvP'd each other until I got better. And that's pretty much been the aim now, get better and teach everyone else how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I need to learn. Um, sort of, when I first started out, I didn't have a mouse, so I was using a laptop um, touchpad. So um, it was difficult to play. Um, so I can now, now I've actually got room for a mouse. Um, I'm actually having to teach myself how to use it, which is actually harder than you think. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> I can imagine from a touch screen. I, I couldn't. I couldn't bear that. That's uh, that would drive me insane. <laughs> well, at least he already knows about keybinds. Yeah, I was going to say you have to have a lot of keybinds for that. Uh, yes, no, it's everything was just attached to the spacebar. <laughs> it was like um, using slap. my. <laughs> yeah, it, it was using my thumbs to use the touchpad while using spacebar. And then firing off a few other things with the other keys, and because the laptop that I had was wide enough to have the number pad, I could use the numbers on either side. So um, yeah, when it came to doing PvP, I remember once um, someone said, "Oh, can you look out and call out who to get?" And I said, "I can just about look around to see who I've got to target. Never mind, do anything else without a mouse." <laughs> what do you mean you're uh, playing without a mouse? <laughs> at least you had tracking target. The options <laughs> menu, at least keep you at least whatever target you were aiming at, you could at least see. Yeah, but usually it was like tab till I found it, and then it's just like, ah, oh, it's gone, damn, I've hit tab an extra time. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, bugger. So, but uh, yeah, fun and games. But uh, yeah, I'm slowly teaching myself to use a mouse, which is an awful lot easier, I must admit. But, um, uh, yeah, when trying to do things with my own DPS, I don't tend to get very high, as I probably could do. Uh, that's the, and I'm sure most of it's to do with piloting. That's the uh, one thing everyone gets wrong with me. Since I... It's, it's a long story. I won't go all into it unless you really want to hear it. But I, I went into the DPS channels to learn how to do PvE damage, just so I could learn to improve my PvP damage. Because this is going back pre-Delta, or just going into Delta, and um, in PvP back then, you didn't have all the feedback pulses and everything else that makes energy builds a real nuisance to run in PvP. So the main game was to, just if you could increase your damage, you had a higher chance of winning. So I entered the DPS channels to help my PvP, but just because I know how to you know, get the biggest numbers you can doesn't mean that's all I focus on. Uh, I've released stuff on supports, uh, actual support damage boats, you know, enough damage to complete the queues, but focus on healing, you know, healing your team with the new uh, ability out that makes that really easy. Um, control boats, drain boats, uh, and anything you could possibly think of, we go into it. I, I don't like sticking to the whole just damage. It makes the game really plain and boring. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, you've one. actually recently published a, uh, a science build that I'm working on a KDF tune to try to mirror as closely as possible, and it's actually a lot more fun than I thought it would be. Science is my go-to. Uh, I think we've flown NG builds and torpedoes with NG builds for so long that as soon as you try a science vessel that uses no weapons and just drain abilities with radiation or part gens or anything along those lines, you can have a lot more fun than you normally could have. So not many people know how to build those ships. That's where my stream and my YouTube videos comes in, is letting people know that these things are possible. It doesn't come out of, you know, there's plenty of people in the DPS channels or PvP that have this knowledge, but they don't share it. It doesn't go anywhere. It just stays in the channel. And even then, not many people know exactly what they're doing. So the whole point of my stream and my YouTube videos is to let people know about these builds and how to use them and build them. Which yeah, I guess I get my interest out of. Yeah, it's, it's one it's, of the places I do. Yeah, it's one of the places I bounce my info off of. I, I'll jump on every so often and talk to Valakin myself, and we'll bounce. I've bounced one or two ideas off of him, and he's told me a few things. How I learned about the NX retrofit trade and just how good that's been by being a part of his stream one one afternoon. So, how's that going yeah. for you? <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I can say. Yeah. It's it's a bit of fun. It's got I found a few bugs with it, but it's pretty fun. Um, yeah. The uh, I heard you got the Atlas trait for the double overload. <laughs> <laughs> I've still got one. I still need one of those. Anyway, continue. <laughs> but yeah, learning how to do a lot of stuff with regards to ships and ship builds is still something I need to find time to do. Um, sort of use timber to help me get my main ship at the moment. Um, sorted with a um, pretty decent build, but yeah, I need. I've got so many ships and things like that. I just need to spend time and focus on them. But unfortunately, work and health and podcasting hasn't allowed for that just yet. Well, the, <laughs> the way I see it is, you know, you can improve your builds and you know work on it to optimize them, which is what I love is optimizing builds, but. The main reason I do this is so people can have fun. There's so many people that have come via my stream, for example, because it's live talk, that say I'm getting really bored of the game. You know, I have nothing to do. There's nothing to. There's no late game raids or stuff like that in other that areas. I have never ever understood. There is just so much. Thing is, I have got a couple of tunes, and it's just mm. like I've got so many of them that I want to level up. So many of them I want to get a particular ship for, and. Um, so many. Hold, 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 hold on. You've got a couple tunes? Yeah, a couple. Okay, 44. That's what we <laughs> thought. <laughs> that sounds but, like it. But yeah, the, there's just so much to do, and there's just like so many accolades you can aim for, and um, so many different missions that people don't just sort of play See? very often at all, and it's just like. How can you say that you've run out of things to do seriously? You've just given me another YouTube idea. Thank you. Um, uh, <laughs> the, the aspect of people finding out, think, running out of things to do is because they only concentrate on what they've seen in other games. Um, yeah. Hell, I do wish STO had some slightly more mechanical cues, like you know, raids and things, as take the World of Warcraft route or any other MO, to be honest. 
um, something that you could have a healer, a tank. Like you, they are needed. You know, not that you could use them. They are needed. Yes, bring back but, the Holy Trinity. Well, no, that's the thing. They brought back the Holy Trinity, but that's another discussion. But the um, people come in, they, they only focus on that. They only focus on, well, I've reached right game, I've got all my reputation, I've done all the cues a million times over. Okay, that's exaggerating, but you, a lot of times. Yeah. And they've got the ships they wanted. Now what? That's that's always, every time. Um, and I could explain to them, of course, you've got all the accolades, you can go to all the new, uh, all the planets and everything else. The thing is, that the one problem I think this game has, for that matter, is there's no reason to for example, accolades, that's for completionists, those that want everything. You know, they're like achievements on an Xbox game. Like, you have to get them. <laughs> yeah. But um, things like planet exploring. I had this on a State of the Game episode I did a while ago, but planet exploring in this game, there's no, there's nothing to do on that planet once you get there, unless it's actually a big dedicated planet like, I don't know, Defari. Um, there's nothing there. There's just a couple of NPCs and it's just a wasteland. If there was like quests to do or stuff like that, people would go and do them. That's more stuff to do. I think people don't see what there is under the skin. But because of that, I introduce new ways of playing different ships, and that on their own uh, gives me gives them new examples to stay in the game for an extra couple of months. You know, work on a new build, try a different something completely different, and. Yeah just have fun with something else and the amount of times this happened is quite exceptional like it's it, it makes you feel good inside but um yeah the, the, i think for youtube video that's a good idea look at the under the belly <laughs> <laughs> well we might as well start getting into some star trek online news so first of all Stu, you thought about doing some reflections on star trek online given that as of yesterday um, Star Trek Online was officially seven years old. Yeah, so I thought we'd sort of get together, gather around a campfire and just share some of the highlights and some of the lowlights that we've had over the last however many years we've been playing. So being that Mr. Valakin is our guest tonight, how's about you start us off with what was your, your favourite and least favorite moments that you've had in the last several years what a question um <laughs> jesus uh just str related uh god um i think my favorite moment um th this is coming just from it was my favorite pastime uh my favorite moment in sto was pre-delta uh and i had just got my patrol escort and i think they had just released um the new episode arc i can't remember which one it was it was the one before delta uh the selene arc i think it was anyway I, I like that because they brought in all the new actions and stuff but i i had the most fun of my friends during that time ever all of them were playing and we were just playing against each other but it's nothing to do with actual what star trek online released <laughs> um but that was for me my best moment in sto when you mentioned the ship, was that the, the Tempest with the, the tail? No, the original Tier 5 Patrol Escort. Um, the, the one that kind of looks like it's a Stingray, sort of, but with two tails. <laughs> um, so I, I, I remember that beast. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, the, we called it the Placate Beast, but because um, Placate was still in the game back then. Uh, my worst moment, God. Um, they released Temple. <laughs> Made PvP hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I don't know a worst moment. There's a lot of bad moments, but I couldn't say any of them were like that bad to call it my worst. So uh, maybe someone else has a better opinion on that one. <laughs> What about you, Midnight? Uh, for me, the revamp of the Borg arc. I really liked what they did, especially that, though I don't tend to enjoy ground as much as um, space, but the little animations you get on the ground where you've got these huge sort of Borg tubelets that sort of go overhead. Um, sort of, I like the Borg, so I sort of geeked out of that. It's just like, um, so for me, that was sort of the best. Um, I'd say worst was when it comes to launching of a lot of um, some of the older content when you're trying to get in game and you're just having to sit there waiting, um, especially before I was able to afford getting a lifetime membership and was free to play and was sitting there waiting and watching the numbers uh, half the time actually increasing rather than decreasing. <laughs> Ah, the login queues. Yeah. Um, they were always the worst moments of people getting in. Um, always reminded me of when um, Star Wars The Old Republic was launched um, for beta. I'd got into it. My broadband was so terrible, I'd spent the entire weekend downloading it and managed to get into it two hours before um, it closed up for the beta test. And at that time, I thought, well, I've got two hours to get some sleep before I need to go to work. And then, of course, because I hadn't actually logged in, I couldn't play for the second beta testing. So any time that I had to queue like that just always brings me back to that. Just listening on TeamSpeak to all my friends playing. And yeah, so definitely worst part was logging queues. I've just thought of my favorite release. New Romulus, because they brought out Romulans and they brought the very first scimitar into the game with the amazing, oh, terrible Tharon pulse. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Stu? Well, the, the first time that I'd played through, and I, I, I don't know, but there's just something about the storyline. It had this sort of, you know, new magic in it to me. And it was especially the, the cloaked intentions and the Romulans arc and the the Dominion arc, the 2800, that just had an epic storytelling sort of feel about them. Like, running about basically alone on the colony world, trying to unravel the mystery of the Iconians and Hakiv, and darting back to DS9 from the prison colony. That's the sort of moments that have stuck by me for the last... since I started playing, which must have been about... Three or four years ago now. But as for uh, as for like the worst moments, I don't. It's not really a worst moment, but I would have loved to have seen a bit more sort of interaction with cryptic, just in the way of like live streams and stuff. There doesn't seem to be much of that going on anymore. You're right about the Iconian arc. They had some of the best uh, cutscenes in that as well. I think the one that sticks with me the most was the. Uh... When you're attacking the sphere to kill the queen, and uh, you have the pilot ships fly by <laughs> with the red background, 
yeah. that picture stays with me. Speaking of backgrounds, in our background, I've heard dragons sneaking about. Oh, there's no sneaking about with me. You know this damn well. <laughs> so, dragon, worst and best and worst moments of stew. Well, for me, one of the best moments was actually finding a, a good fleet to be able to join. Um, I've been playing now for about four, four and a half years, and up until about a year ago, I played 90% solo, um, if not more. Um, and after joining the fleet, being able to improve my build and learn enough to actually be able to turn around and help other people be able to improve their builds. Um, worst moment is one that's ongoing, and I've, I've ranted about this a number of times, and that's the fact that there are no real damn science ships for the Klingon that are not behind a godforsaken paywall. Uh, the paywall the old, ships are good. <laughs> the old KDF science chestnut. Hey, you knew I couldn't pass it up. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, the same for Romulans. They're stuck behind a paywall. Actually, there is a Tier 5 Romulan ship that actually qualifies as a science ship. Um, the, oh, it's, say uh, what is it? the Hakona, I think it is. Yeah, it, it's not a great science ship, but it's one that you can get up, get through leveling. Um, the KDF don't really have anything like that that I'm aware of. And, well, yeah, I've been playing my KDF science tune since I created it, and it was the very first tune I actually made in the game. What about you, Sunseal? Oh, boy, you know what mine are going to be. Does anybody remember when uh, Steven Ricosa, like, first took over as EP, and then there was, like, some kind of screw-up, and then all of a sudden we were all getting compensation? Yeah, waiting for that to ever happen again. I don't remember compensation. I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Also, what's my least favorite moment in Stowe? Any promotion involving a third party. Or being a lower level tune and having to grind into older reputations that nobody is running. And there is no uh, battle zone or adventure zone for. Oh my god. Yeah, they can be difficult. Um, Stu, you've got some notes from Zombie. What about Timbers? I was just about to say that we've got Mr. Timberwolf as well. Yeah, and I was going to do him next. I think you're the best last. Okay, um, Zombies left me a few notes here. So he said that his favorite STO moment was when he could make a Romulan, because Romulans are his favorite Star Trek race, and he plays them in every Star Trek game that he plays. And his least favorite moment was dental disco-balling the Spock statues, which ruined quite a few people's desires to have a quiet moment. Okay, back up, back up for just a minute. I don't think people, when people hear that, they think of one thing. You need to know how systemic this was. It wasn't just that Dental was in one instance of the the Spock Memorial on the various planets. They were in almost every, every instance. Every single instance had a dental member who popped a party ball in front of or around the Spock statue, either on Vulcan or New Romulus. It was horrible. So much so that like the dev team actually stepped in and went, look, you need to stop it. And of course, that was before the nullifiers were released as well. 
That's the reason why nullifiers were released. What about you, Timberwolf? Hmm. So many memories. Uh, best memory. I've had a few, but it's hard, you know, really to go. But I'm going to go with my best. One of my best memories is the first charity event I did in Star Trek Online. When we, uh, It wasn't just this game, but... 95% of the people that were in the live stream movie were STO players. And to stay up for almost 48 hours, not sleeping and doing that kind of charity work and seeing not only the community come, come together, but Nevadon came on for a while and um, he was able to donate. Maria Rosa was able to come on and donate. Like you see the perfect world employees and cryptic, you know, their, their employees are taking time out of their weekend to be a part of this as far as like a charity event. That was cool. Like that was a, it was one of those signs that there is humanity out there, that it's good considering all the crap we have to deal with every day. Um, worst experience. Hmm. Seeing, glitch. <laughs> no, seeing the forums for the first time. That was the most horrible five seconds of my life. I've never gone back since. See, oh, and, and see, I I come from that from the opposite perspective. I <laughs> the my first forum game forum experience came out of the Elder Scrolls, and this was back when the Elder Scrolls forums was its own forum and not like part of a big conglomeration thing like it is now because of all the properties that Bethesda owns. But I had a wonderful forum experience under the Elder Scrolls, and then came into Star Trek and went, wow. People get like this? I mean, I understand having a conversation. I mean, listen to me every week, but good God, there's people that do this just to do crap like this? What? Wow. One of the community questions we'll have later in the show will be to find out from our listeners what they think is their best and worst moments in Stowe over the last seven years. That'll be interesting next week to go through their feedback. Okay, well, time to get into some Star Trek Online news. So, um, the Reckoning Sector Map. Um, haven't had a chance to read this article, Stu. Did you want to say what it's about? Yes, the the main map of the game has been updated. There was um, a map released, I think it was two years ago, that showed the the whole of the Stowe Galaxy, where everything was. And it had a like a little mini-map showing where all of the explored areas were on a relief map of the Milky Way. So this map has been updated to add the new sectors that have been added to the Alpha Quadrant this week as well. It's interesting to note that the, 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 the map itself has actually been updated twice now. Um, there was the... There was the breaking of the sector walls because they were introducing the 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 joining of most of the alpha and most of the beta quadrant as their own sector blocks as a whole, and then the delta uh, block itself. Um, but and but before that, you had the separation between the blocks themselves in in a map, and then now they've added two new sectors onto the uh, the alpha quadrant itself. Yeah, so the the new sector blocks are towards the the top portion of the 
Alpha Quadrant moving in towards the center of the Milky Way. This is like the first time we've actually... I, I want to say this is the first time we've had a major main map addition. Like, I, I know they rearranged a whole bunch of the sectors when they broke the sector walls, but you ha you also have to remember, this is the first time, honestly, this seems like the first time they've added an entire, like, new sector space to the Alpha Quadrant. Well, to the Alpha Quadrant, yes, because I was about to say they did, of course, add the Delta Quadrant one. Right, right. Uh, yeah. This, yeah, that's, again, that is, like, whole new territory of itself because it's completely different content. This is new content being added to the original map. Yeah, I mean, the last time I think they did anything close to that as far as adding content would be the Beta Quadrant when they when they added in Romulans and they actually added in a sector block or two for just them to start off their campaign, but it wasn't anything as large as what we just had. The thing that I noticed from the map is that compared to the Beta Quadrant anyway, the Alpha Quadrant seems quite sparsely populated, which makes me think that they'll add more stars and systems and but items. You also have into to remember it. all this all this Alpha Quadrant stuff is is where all the xenophobic species are that we've that we've explored in Toss and whatever the hell too. So like all of these sparsely populated is stuff that people just haven't been to because xenophobic species territory. Like the beacons that are telling you to keep away from here. And see, I still don't understand what the hell that's about. Like at the end of the at the end of the Corbomite maneuver, we literally handed a human being to the First Federation and said, "Here, study this guy." Why is that whole sector? You know, why is that whole section just blocked off? I quite enjoy the Alpha Quadrant being sparse because I don't know. It's kind of the one is the nose zone area, but two, it's if you look at it compared to the rest of the of the map of the galaxy map, it's it looks spaced like there's the it's almost got rings folding out of the galaxy, and it's kind of out of the system. It's it looks like it should be sparsely populated, like you know you have to go to the next belt and on to the next belt, but it's a, a while between them. And I kind of like it in terms of roleplay. It's it, it kind of suits the map itself. The one thing I would like to see, if they're going to do anything with the new quadrants and, for example, adding on these new um, new planets you can actually go to, is, as I said at the start, you know, actually have stuff to do on those planets. Have, you know, little intertwining storylines that you can enjoy for, you know, two hours or something on each one. It'd be kind of nice. But as for what they will do, I have no idea. Yeah, so like if you go to a new area, just a, a sort of here's a story about this area and about the people who live here that isn't necessarily interconnected with the main storyline, but it's just like a sort of like a side quest set in the village sort of thing. You mean like an RP blog that nobody reads? Do you remember? Oh God, what, what's that mission? It's it's in the main storyline, but you go into the Alpha and you go down to the mines, and it's to try and find the Remans. Hiding under the terrorist remans, or supposedly terrorist remans, uh, when you're fighting, I think it's in the new Roma storyline. Um, uh, mine enemy? Is it mine enemy? There's a Ferengi you go talk to at the start. No, that, no, yeah. no, that one's no. Mine enemy is the the one where you find the Tal Shiar base. Oh, uh, 
It's, it's in the, the same area. The, the, the Riemann, where you go down to the, the frozen caves, is one or two after that, I believe. Because that's where you get the Romulan disruptor thing. Yeah, a- anyway, when you've been down into that mining area and they've got kind of all the slaves and they're kind of beating each other up, and if you're tactical, you've got to break up all the guys trying to murder each other. That was kind of cool, because it's just a little town filled with little side quests that's actually in the main story. If each one of the systems, like in the new Alpha Quadrant, for example, if you want to do something new, each one of those could have their own little side quest storyline that's not in the main storyline. The only way you pick it up is you go there, and you, you suddenly it's thrown in your face, and you got to do something about it. You know That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Now, of course, the link to the post with the images in it will, of course, be in our show notes. Now, last week, while we were live, um, Perfect World was also live with their developer Q&A. So if you missed it, um, there is, of course, a YouTube video with it on. And we'll have a link in our show notes to the blog with that as well. Sue, did you want to go through the calendar events for the coming weeks? Yes, our ruling weekly calendar as it stands. So. This weekend, we've got a 20% off services sale and a dilithium bonus week as well. So the 20% off services sale ends on Monday. So if you want to grind up that dilithium for your Zen to buy your slots and stuff, go and do it now, right now. Next weekend, we've got item upgrades and uh, the following weekend, we've got bonus marks we've got another item upgrade weekend at the start of march on the second running until the sixth and then yeah, i saw that on the calendar and i'm like wait a minute why would you have three three event things happening right there on the same weekend because the the, the march the second starts off both an item upgrade weekend and a bonus xp weekend while also starting the breach event don't yes, argue uh, with it. I'm thinking there's some kind of some kind of holiday around about that kind of time. Isn't that like Eastery? Yeah, weekend. Ash Wednesday is the day before. Or no? Yeah, no, yeah, it's the day before. Ash no, yeah, is that's, the first. that's confusing. <laughs> Ash Wednesday is the first. Okay, so there you go. It's kicking off uh, a holiday season, so lots of people will be at home with. Nothing to do, I suppose, who'll be... Um... Uh, unless you gave up Star Trek Online for Lent, then you're at home not playing Star Trek Online for the Breach. Son, don't give people ideas. Not an idea? Who would do that? <laughs> A sane individual who gives up something meaningful during Lent? Is it really meaningful? <laughs> it's well, that's what, you're su- well, that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, for Lent, I'll give up sp- wine. Well, I'm not religious, so I don't have to do it. Yay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm Most looking forward to Most religious people don't even have to do it because it's a Catholic thing, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. But I'm looking forward to the Breach coming back. I do enjoy that mission. Yes. Um, I'm still unsure about what the reward for it is going to be because it's still listed on the calendar as being the VSS Tanius, which was the same I... as what we got last year. I think that's a placeholder at this point. Yeah, it must be. And that's only because they don't want to give away before the blog 
what it is. I mean, recently they've had some issues with giving away information before they were supposed to. Big one, the uh, what was it? The Intel Sovereign accidentally got released in the C store for people claiming the T5s for like an hour or two. Whoopsies. Yeah, so more than likely that was someone saying, okay, don't put that in the tooltip. Put everything else in, though. Mm. It's also possible that this is a whole bunch of stuff just packed right in there, and uh, the day before they're going to take it away and say, nope, we never meant for that to be there. Well, I'm like kinda, they did to the console players. I mean, with, with them wanting saying like season 12 and all this new content, there could be a fourth event there. If they have Unto the Breach, Item Weekend, and Bonus Experience, they could decide to give us a week off, and then starting with the Breach, we have the next featured mission as well. Mm-hmm. Unless they decide to make us wait a couple of more weeks or a month or so. So until the next mission, we could be seeing the next mission at that point. I don't yeah. think so. That's it's not how Cryptic operates on the PC. No, I'm thinking our next mission will be in five months or so. That's more likely. No, I think it's going to be more like every four to six weeks. See, we said you know this this was talked about and discussed a year and better ago. That that this that this was the goal to every every five or six weeks to have a new mission that has not materialized and continues to not materialize. Well, they've kept the last two up. They released season twelve, the new mission. Four weeks later, we've got another one. So, but that's the thing: when they release something new, as in a new story arc, they continue to shove it out as much as possible. The new missions, because they keep getting complaints on the forums. That, you know, where's the new mission? Where's the new mission? We have new content. And then they shove it out. And then another four or five weeks may go past, and they put the next one out, and then it's six weeks normally for the, the next one, mainly because they've probably got an extra voice actor in or, you know, someone they've had to get a hold of, so it only takes seven weeks. But in general, they're kind of good nowadays. My only concern is the parts in between, and you finish the story arc, and it takes them six to seven months to release another one. But I think they're pretty good now. When it comes to episode releases, but Timber might be right. I mean, that's that's what I'm thinking. I mean, if they're going back to what they were doing last year with the story arc, I mean, we got an episode after an episode, and you might have one week in between, and then you had another three weeks of a featured mission, and it was a fairly consistent thing. And the only thing that would throw it off, in my mind, is, you know, if they just weren't prepared for it. Because if they've been planning this for a while, they've been putting in resources to it. To me, it does seem plausible. You take a week off because you got anniversary event and featured mission. You know, you got a lot of things going. Give everybody a week to just kind of chill, relax. And then you start up another month of, okay, well, you got this and this and this and new mission and this. Just kind of stack it up, I guess, to give people multiple options for content to keep them busy. Thing is, is the only time that they stopped releasing the content on quite a regular basis was when it came to the run-up for the expansion. That's when things stopped. Because before then, the previous release, they were releasing things in sort of regular periods of sort of five weeks or so. But then it came to the expansion, and that's when things sort of ground to a halt. Now, whether or not it was because of problems 
doing some of the stuff with the tech because of like the graphics things or whether or not because also at the same time they were doing the expansion they're also doing the lighting change because of all the console stuff they'd also split off some of the crew in order to do the console stuff um so all these things going on that's when we sort of had the drought for this sort of new regular content that's been coming out the sort of year before so now all this stuff's sort of done and the console's um, catching up quite fast as well um, i think that this year we're going to see it going back to what it was beforehand which was something every sort of four to six weeks we get something new yeah, I think you're right. There's going to be lots of content. The only downside I have at the moment is I've never seen a calendar this full, which, in terms of cryptic, scares me. <laughs> it, um, because never in the history of me playing this game have I ever seen an ep- uh, a season release into an episode, into an anniversary, with an Omega event that lasts... How long does it last? 16 days? So 20 something, yeah, something like that. And then during the Omega event, at least not a weekend of Dilithium, no, a whole seven days of double Dilithium, straight into upgrade weekend, over the top of the dill, literally transferring, normally there's a week between them, they're literally on top of each other. And then there's two days, and there's a bonus marks weekend, and then there's a slight gap. And then you've got Into the Breach event, bonus appearance, and also item upgrade weekend. I, I've never seen that much put into a calendar, especially overlapping with no week in between either event. Yes, I think Which, it's good because people get brought into the game for different things. There'll be some people who really must get the lithium. There are some people who really want to get services, some people who really just want to do their upgrades. Because they're doing these things so regularly, it's getting... They're trying to, I think, maybe get people in more often, um, no matter what they're interested in. That, that that's that's would be amazing. Uh, the best part is they like they keep this up. You know, maybe maybe okay, they can't keep offering the weekends every the, the it would crash. But you know, um, maybe that's that is it. Like between you know making the things, they give us a load of events to do, which would be great. The thing yeah. is, this isn't the history we know. The history I know is they do this to suck up. So here's a bunch of lovely, shiny things for you to do. And I uh, hope this makes up for the um, non-stuff we're not releasing in the next month. So but it could go either way. <laughs> yeah. As always, time will tell. So, Are there any more dates that you've got to give, Stu? So I've also heard that those lovable little scamps over at Massively OP have got five Alachi or Nash tier six ships to give away. So the deadline for entries into that are the fifth. So you've only got a couple more days. Yeah. So for those of you listening live, if you haven't done so already, um, the link is in our chat. So, and anyone listening upon release, I think you've missed it. So's ours. Holy crap, Stu, what did you just do? I don't know. You've put the show notes in the show notes. <laughs> That's a good Z. trick. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, so moving swiftly onwards from uh, me not knowing how to work a computer, um, you guys over at console have a bonus mark weekend. 
running until the 9th. So, yeah, it's a bonus marks month. That's continuing on until the 9th. And then on Valentine's Day, nothing says Happy Valentine's Day like dumping your girlfriend and going to play Agents of Yesterday because that's when that drops. Ouch. I can work with that. <laughs> Especially if you're a console player that uh, wants to get your hands on the new um, the, the cryptic version of the Enterprise J. A paladin class. Because the console players will have their first taste of getting all of those ships. Oh. So yeah. As we sort of mentioned, console is slowly catching up with everything on the PC. So with Agents of Yesterday about to drop um, and the rate that they're doing it, um, it shouldn't be too much longer before they're more or less actually the same level as PC. Yeah, you know, more videos that says strictly console. <laughs> God, just the, the sheer amount of people that constantly, constantly report like new things coming up for the console as new for the PC things. It bugs the crap out of me. Well, technically, it's actually true. Technically, console did get the new tier 6 Jemadars, Alachi, and gonna be Talshiar. No, 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 that's not what I mean. <laughs> Wait, like, like, for, uh, for, uh, Halloween this year, around Halloween, the console got the tier 6 versions of the Dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. And every news organization was, oh, uh, Star Trek Online PC is getting new Dreadnoughts. Like, no, they've been out for the PC for a year. These are new for the console. Okay, I'm, I'm really confused. What what news places are you visiting? <laughs> are these, do these guys play the game? It's uh, massively OP. It seems like somebody made the initial post, and in the initial post, they confused the console version and the PC version, and then every other uh, every other every other place that has been reporting on the same thing just copy and pasted the initial post without doing their own. Hey, is this console or is this PC? Uh, it's what we call alternative news. Oh, that damn it! <laughs> Alright, somebody gib slap him. I would if I was close to him. Valakin, it's this whole crap with US politics and all that bullshit. That's what it is. (laughs) Oh, it's not just US politics anymore. He's making inroads into the international field with with, with screwing people over. (sighs) That's true. Uh, Headache. (sighs) Headache. Like when you when you hang up on the Australian Prime Minister, you're gonna start some shit. This is true. Anyway, <laughs> now I sort of derailed things. Um, PC News Week Two of the featured episode rewards of signs and portents um, is now available. So last week there was the deflector, and I think it's the engine this week, isn't it? Yeah. Impulse engines are out, and at ultra rare they get a speed modifier. Cool. So, on the topic of the featured episode, um, people have had a 
week to actually go and play it. So if you haven't yet and you're listening, press stop and go play because spoilers are coming. So um, let's find out what our crew thought. So Balakin, did you want to start off? What were your thoughts on the new featured episode? I liked it. It's cool. Um, the one, the one thing that bugged me was the uh, the point where you 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 come across a planet, and it, it might be because I missed. I think my chat yelled at me, but either way, at the time I forgot if she had ever been there or not. But she says this used to be my home planet. Um, it's like how can you not know from the surrounding system? But apart um, from that, no, they they. <laughs> That you there is dialogue which explains all that is it wasn't her home planet it was her ancestors home planet it's where her species originally came from oh okay so i just and, looked it um, basically there are two ba- factions they sort of had a war they the lost the romulans and the vulcans except this time the vulcans yeah. decided to leave so it was that sort of thing so they decide to leave and the location of the planet and the history was basically taken out of their own history books when they left. Okay. So my, that's, my that's why she doesn't um, know all the facts and things like that. I might have just overlooked it because of stream, but anyway, I, I really enjoyed the mission, like the, the, the finding at the first, and then you go down and you meet them for the first time and then your face, especially if you learn elite, it's great on elite, but the, um, the most impressive part, this might be really judgmental, and kind of stupid to you, but my best part of that was the water. If you got your, if you got a full on on ultra graphics, the water looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, I do. I must admit, that planet the ground... just looks amazing. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ground map was really impressive. I, the only thing I think which comes close was New Romulus, and compared to that, I think it's twice as good. Well, that see, that's that was some of the stuff that I thought when you first beam down. A lot of that stuff looks like re, uh, like slightly reused new Romulan assets. And you're like, wow, they they reuse some of the new Romulan, and then you get over the hill, and you're like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was it was a really cool map, and I uh, I liked uh, at the end. Hell, the end of the mission could very easily as long as you did it yourself instead of the npc doing that could very easily be the ground stf uh the fight in the cave like mm. I, I enjoyed all of it it was good what about you timberwolf no i i enjoyed it 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 started off the way they've tried to start off most of these new missions you know they they can't or at least they they are unable to mechanically wise able to do exploration but They've done exploration through the story and what you're doing in the mission. So, I mean, the start of the mission is you're scanning planets and you're doing investigative um, analysis. Let's be honest. How weird is that? The Lakari just have a brand new science-specific ship they built with the help of the Federation and the Klingons, and you're the one doing all the scanning. Yeah, but still... You know, you start off with that. The combat makes sense as far as the story. It's not just going in and shooting. It honestly seems like, with the way they wrote the story for the Zinkethi, you tie it in with the blog, and it's like, okay, we don't want to fight you, but if you piss us off, we will. So it's not like they're 
they're trying to really harm us unless we harm them first, we push them. It's not like they're just, I guess, aggressively... I call blowing up planets pretty aggressive. Well, I mean, they're not blowing up our planets. I've got my own theory about what they're really doing. Um, I wrote, I've written that up. Um, they're, they're, they're not doing it for the reasons that they're trying to show off anyway. Um, but no, I like how the new mission is, is coming off with the storyline. I just wish the Lucari was a little bit more a part of it since they are supposed to be the ones exploring space. Um, so they should be taking the lead more than us, I guess, even though we're the player. Um, I suppose that's always the problem, isn't it? Is you, as a player, you want or you expect to be able to do things unless you look at it from a story point of view. And then the whole thing is, as a captain or an admiral, why would you ever be doing this sort of thing? You'd just have your little minions go and do it. Um, but they they can only do so much. Yeah, but in this case, I mean, if the whole thing is about the, the Lucari are coming back into exploration then I would think, okay, well, we've been doing this for a while now, and yeah, it might be less yeah. explored by us, or we haven't explored it either. We're supposed to be looking at it through their eyes. I mean, that was the whole point with this, the first mission, Echoes of Light, is they were shocked by the beings from Encounter at Farpoint, and um, the um, the little space-born manta ray fat things that were floating around. The I can't Gekli. remember what they're called. Gekli, there you go. They were shocked about it. I'm like, oh yeah, we met them in this mission, and da 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 da, and it's old hat to us. And yeah, and for this one, it was just kind of like, okay, well, I'll take the lead. I'll blow up everything. You just passively scan it. We'll give you all the data at the end of it. But, but you also have to remember they're in like a really rinky-dinky old Gorn ship too at the time. No, I'm talking about this mission, this new mission. That was that. That was my only point of contention with it is if they've got a brand new science vessel it's top of the line we helped them build it and all this that's what i just said yeah they need to be at the forefront they need to be going okay let me scan this you stay there i'll scan it but that might be a mechanical issue that they they can't do all the time or there was limitations in making the episode other than that story-wise i like it i still don't understand why the lucari built a ship that is Every bit, even when we were deciding on how, you know, pick a ship what we designed contest, even when that was going on, the Lucari ship design was of every single kind of stereotyped UFO sighting ever. And it's like, why would you do that? Unless you're going to throw time travel back in there. That's only if you look at it that way. I see it as a shuriken. (laughs) Well, no, what I mean is, okay... You had the triangle design. The triangle design one. The triangle is one of the most stereotyped UFO sightings. The triangle was, with the three I was lights. A, I thought it was an oval, like circle. Well, no, there, there were, there were the the, the three <laughs> main ones are the are, are those three. There's the triangle with the three lights. There's the oval, and then there's a cigar pattern. Those are the three main US U, uh, th- Those are the three main UFO sightings on Earth. Is I like the fact that. They've used inspiration from what people have reported seeing. It's different than what we normally get in Star Trek Online. Damn, I voted for the one that looked like a Sona vessel. I I, kind of like it, because it's like, you know, the whole point is the Akari is supposed to be these uh, unknown, complete, and other unknown beings, and 
they've used the same factor in terms of humans of UFO sightings. It's kind of it's kind of cool as a play. And the thing but, is, it also links into what we've seen in Voyager, in Enterprise, and things like that, where they've actually had episodes which talk about aliens that have actually taken sort of people from Earth and then created new settlements. So what this ship could also be linked to something regarding one of those episodes in some sort of way. Also, if it wasn't shaped like a Dorito, you wouldn't have the opportunity to put orange colour paint on it and named it the the RW Dorito. And fly can, around can, as can, we, can we just get out of the door right now that it is not shaped like a Dorito? Because I don't Come know on. what Doritos you people are eating, but the Doritos that I eat have round edges, not squared off ones. Everybody knows it's shaped like a laughing cow triangle. <laughs> Look, I, I'm, I'm going to call mine the Friangle, and when it, when it pops a grav well, I'm going to call it the Hawking Hole. Okay, I'm, I'm going to take the chat's advice here. Let's ignore the outer edge. The interior is amazing. Kind of cool. Basically, it's a giant greenhouse, but different. I like it. Yeah, I look forward to getting it. Wait, the, the bridge is a, is a greenhouse? What? Yeah, greenhouse. Essentially, yeah. It's a square room. We have a lot of glass and a lot of plants. The greenhouse. <laughs> Does this mean the Lucari are actually plant people? No, I just think they're very into Mother Nature. Say yes, it might Either keep quiet for a while. A lot of pop. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you're in the middle of a battle and phasers are flying, <laughs> their torpedoes are everywhere, and you just and, need to grab a tomato out of the, the well next to the captain's <laughs> chair. No, it allows them Beep to do that directly onto their bridge so it flies into their face. They, 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 no, no, I get the picture of the car sitting on the bridge chair. He has the cat, and he's stroking the cat in a very James Bondy manner. And then he leans over and gets the most stereotypical apple and just goes, <laughs> fire. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to like the J.J. Kirk Ed. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And what about you, Steedog? Oh, the, the mission. Um, yeah, I liked the way it was divided up between the, the mystery and then the reveal and then the combat. But one of the sort of the parallels that sprung out to me involving like old school science fiction was when you come across the the ruins of the the spacefaring race that was like a hundred years behind you in technology. They just cried out war of the worlds to me that these people were no match for the Zen Kathy who were basically like the Martians and they had to suicide run into one of their ships in the same way that the the ironclad did in the the book uh as for the zen kathy themselves i found them pretty tough you know more so in space than on the ground oh don't get me started hold me back <laughs> <laughs> actually i found in space that they are so easy to defeat um I, I, you people are using different weapon types there's can, your can answer I can i do Go it on. Yep. Okay. I hate Zenkethi new cues. I love the mechanics. I love the look of them. I love the gravity well, even though it gives me massive FPS drop. The <laughs> I I love the cues. I hate the Zenkethi. Actually, no, I hate cryptic. 
Ouch. They, 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 they hate, they, they give an, wait, this is coming from Elite. On normal and advanced, they're really tough. And they do moderate damage, but they are really tough. They're supposed to be big, hulking machines with massive shields. And you kind of have to specialize a little bit, you know, for the bomb one. Especially on Elite, you have to run tractoring repulses without Gragomal. And you have to push them back. And maybe you run a torpedo boat that drains, you know, like with quantums and get rich, strip the shields. Or you run a cannon ship to really pelt on the forward. I like the aspect of them, how tanky they are. They're actually how Elite should be how tanky they are you know if, if every elite in space was as tanky as they are they would be great high space onslaught elite if they were as tanky as the zinkethi and still did the same amount of damage they do my god that cure would be hard and that's good but couldn't they give them a little bit more damage because i can literally go in there with no shields and have pop a heal once and they just, they just don't do anything. They're like giant hunks of brick that you just kind of like have to bash with a sledgehammer. <laughs> it annoys and frustrates me to death that they can produce something so elite tanky, but then give it no damage. <laughs> Come on. Well, that's that's because they're they're honestly their frigate things are doing the most damage out of the whole group, and if and those are so easy to destroy from any angle, not just the forward arc. Yeah. yeah. They're just moving barge poles. <laughs> but so far I've only played the queues on normal and I've not had any issues destroying any of them. So when it comes to taking the bomb with you, I've taken on the entire mob at oh, the yeah. little base on their own and literally within about 45 seconds they're all gone. Um, so you're not that's... doing too bad for your damage then. <laughs> so, no, on advance, they're, 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 you know, they're still pretty easy, but it should be, you know, one step up from normal. You know, they add the objectives and they're slightly a bit tankier and slightly a bit more damaging. You'll tell the difference if you run out of normal and go to advanced. Even though you're doing the same amount of damage, you'll see the difference. Like, they last a bit longer. Elite didn't work and help me on this one. We did it on stream, actually. Okay, I failed. But um, yeah, it was the it was the first time I ever ran the queue, and we decided to go stuff it, elite. Um, but the uh, yeah, we we do it now. But they are really tanky. It you know, for me and Timber could weigh on it with a hundred and sixty k each, and it still takes a good what thirty five forty seconds to take down one of them. Oh God, yeah. I mean, you could um, you could hit them with everything you got, and it was almost to the point on elite that. The Zenkethi were like, is that all you got? Mm-hmm. Now, if and, they did something in return as well, <laughs> it would really make it hard. You'd have to, you know, you'd actually actually have to, one, engage in the the mechanics of it, you know, using the tractor impulses to push away, but you'd also have to have dedicated um, healers to heal the DPS to cope with the spreads or whatever else they use, you know, while beating the crap out of them forever. It uh, just adds a bit more team play to the to it. That's what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for a queue to have proper team play. But um I don't know, it just annoys me because they they had the perfect opportunity with these things. They finally gave an NPC that actually has the resistance to respond against even top DPSs, but it does nothing back to you. <laughs> yeah, it frustrates me. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, I suppose the problem is is they also got to cater for all the people who 
don't do things in teamwork. It's like you go into as a pug most of these missions and nobody talks to anybody else. Even if you try and get some sort of communications going, saying, well, I will take this, who will get that? And, like, no one responds. They just go off and do their own thing. It's just like... This is getting into, like... That's getting into, like, my state-of-the-game type things, but I'm guessing this is the whole point of this discussion. But, that yeah, normal advanced, you should be able to pug it. I mean, I can make references, but, you know, yeah. normals and advanced on any other road, you could pug it. You have to, you have to know what to do, but you could still pug it. Elite should always be, you have to use teamwork or you fail. You know, <laughs> you, you have to yeah. do what you should do. It's, it's supposed to be the... In this game especially, it is the end game content. It's for people that have got everything and spent money on the game or whatever, pay to win. Um, it, it it should be hard, like very hard. And yeah, the, I, the the problem they have is you know if the elites is the only place you can go to get you know the salaries tech, for example. But you got ground elites, you know they're they're semi difficult if you don't have the gear. Base elites should be hard but the people in the forums will complain i can't do this on elite and because it's you know <laughs> i have to actually communicate and do things but that's why it should be and they're scared to do it i think because i think they're scared to make elites hard out of outrage of people that well can't do them but yeah but then you have the people who then you yeah. have the people who were raging look you shouldn't even be making the Look, if you can't get past normal, you shouldn't be doing the advanced. Kind of elite-ish people, too. And it's like, well, you kind of can't win either way, because that conversation will always exist. It's either too hard or it's too easy. See, that's the thing. The con- that conversation downwards exists because elite for them is like normals. <laughs> I yeah. Think when it comes to the missions and the queues, I think what they should do is you've got to complete each level three times to get an accolade, which will then unlock the next level up. So you have to complete normal three times in order to do advanced. Then you've got to complete that three times um, with all optionals in order to unlock the elite. So that way you need to prove you can move up to the next level first. So that way you don't get people going, oh, I'm just going to jump into Elite and then sort of wreck it for everybody else. Well, the um, problem with that is the pug run issue. I mean, it would have to be something where they'd have to limit it to, I guess, private runs. Because, I mean, right now, if me and Valakin were to run one of our high-end run, They would know, get AFK penalties. They'd either get high, <laughs> they'd either get an AFK penalty or, if, oh, well, they successfully passed all the phases. Okay, well, they, they unlocked the accolade. Well, then you look at what they were doing and they were only doing, you know, a 15k output, whereas me or Valakin was doing 220. And they would, you know, unless they coded it a certain way, they'd still get the accolade for completing advanced, but they weren't geared for it. They were just in there because they knew some, when someone from a high-end DPS or high science build or something would nuke through for them. And then, okay, well, I've got it, now I can do Elite. Oh, well, Elite's too tough, I can't do this. Let me complain. Yeah, there's never going to be any perfect system. But I think it gives people another way to to accomplish more things in the game. Because it's just like, if you want to be able to do that next level, then you need to 
complete it and do all the objectives successfully um, three times um, in order to sort of gain that next level. I mean, for me, I, I reference what World of Warcraft is doing right now. I was just going to do you, that. <laughs> you, can, you can pug normal. If I wanted to go into the new content right now for Legion, because I'm playing Legion as a tank, um, if I wanted to do standard content for a five-man dungeon, I can do A, looking for group, and pug it. If I wanted to do Heroic, which is their version of Advanced, I can pug that. If I want to do Elite, the only way to do Elite or Mythic content for them private only private yeah, only your whole team has to know what they're doing they have yeah. to know the mechanics they have to be good at their role the thing that this it comes down to the earning system doesn't it yeah the, the, what makes world of warcraft and their queues work is it's an earning system you no matter what you cannot complete even on normal any of the queues without a healer because <laughs> your and tank you have to have will a tank yeah. your, your tank will die and then your dps will die and you wipe <laughs> Um, that's the thing in this game at the moment. It's, it's as long as you have enough damage, you complete it. But the mm. problem is, there's no kickback for it. There's no, um, what's the word? Well, return. Uh, if you can survive and do as much damage as possible, you win. It's the same. Yeah, with there's no incentive uh, to yeah, be the healer and things like that. There's wait, no wait, incentive wait. to be see, team. See, this is- this is actually part of the this is part of the the flaw in the <laughs> argument that Timber just made too. It's like, well, going up in the queues, this person's not doing enough damage. Well, yeah, they wouldn't be doing damage if they were a healer. Yeah, well, that's down to the system again. I, I don't want to get too into this because you know it's it's it. We always reference back to games like WoW, but uh, it's also off topic. But it's like um, it, the, it's triples. It's what we do. <laughs> yeah, it's, but it's. Uh, I, I've had this discussions ages ago when I did stay of the game with Yuzrul and Luke Critter and we we actually found a really good solution for it, but it involves them completely reworking their entire PV system. You know how the queues work, mm. and it involves, unfortunately, Trinity Meta. That's, that's the reason everyone uses it. It's because it works. Um, this game they wanted to be different. Unfortunately, that difference is their downfall. <laughs> but uh, the good thing, it, this is related to the latest releases. They've gone that way. You know the the new engineering heal ability. You heal yourself, heals all your allies around you within three kilometers. That's an AoE heal for all your teammates. Along with, you know, other sets, hell a new set, it's a healing set. Um, slash drain set. But, uh, you know, they've gone down that route. They brought in the strategic tree, which involves a threatening stance, which in- invites the role for tanks. You know, grab the aggro. Uh, before that, it was just do as much damage as you can, slap on some plasma consoles. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, reference the new um, Dreadnought Cruiser console for the Romulans. The The only purpose for that console is broadcasting secondary shielding and hazard debuffs and cleansing to yourself and all your teammates. And it's broadcasting, I believe, 12 to 16k for secondary shields and doing the hazard debuff. That is a purely teammate-based console. Yeah. But, uh, so... They've gone down that route, which I've I, I made a reference on my stream. I, I really like it. I like that route, and I hopefully they continue down it, because you never know. Uh, I got hints of a PvP revamp. Now, I work with the pros of PvP in this game, and they're all kind of trembling in their boots about this, but um, it could be good. <laughs> but uh, 
Well, I can't see why they're trembling because they've been asking for a PvP I know, revamp for like since day one. They're trembling their boots for one reason. I kind of blame myself. Um, I had talks with uh, Nevandon and uh, Tim, the guy that does the design work for those posters you have. Uh, when I talked to them, their ide- ideal, this is perfect world, not cryptic, but just to put out there, but their ideal of balancing PvP was you don't run your own ship and you don't run your own gear. They have presets of five ships with their own gear and abilities and every member picks one, a bit like Dreadnought, and you run with that. So everyone's equal. That I was like their it. Idea. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the whole point of PvP is, you know, you, you develop and make your build and make it work. The main thing to balance PvP is all they want is um, we work off PvE stats, right? So we work off equipment that's based off building itself up to deal with something that has 3 million HP. You know, we have all these buffs and the damage output scales to deal with 3 million HP ball cubes. Um, In PvP, you have 80k, maybe 100, maybe even 60k hull. If you're an escort, 50. Um, And it means you have to have constant immunities and placating and resistances of the highest stature and as much heals as possible. There's just too much damage output. So what they kind of want is just rep gear that's focused towards PvP, you know, resistances and stuff. And that when you go into PvP, everything is, you know, nullified by a percentage. So, you know, damage output from every ability and every heal and everything is just nullified by a flat percentage. Um, and that way you can still work with everything you have, but no one's getting one-shotted and no one's you know, right off the bat, you don't have to have all the amazing traits in the game like Zal. You can't go to PvP without Zal, otherwise you're going to get one popped by Entropic Redistribution that hits you for 200k. You know, it's just stupid damage. But the PvP revamp will hopefully go along that line, so that's what they hope for anyway. But with the hopes of a PvP revamp, we're hoping that going down the line with all this new gear towards kind of a Trinity system and a PvP revamp being mentioned, they may revamp pve which aka the cues and go down a more respectable line of difficulty which would com- you know compensate for everyone that's what we hope and i hope they do that and zagethi release and all the stuff they release for in terms of healers pretty promising for that that's all I Thank hope. you for bringing us back around to the zagethi the thing that started <laughs> this whole discussion in the first place no problem i'm good at that <laughs> so dragon what did you think of the featured episode? Oh, cool. We're still on that? Okay. Okay. I hope everybody has their popcorn and their rather large drinks, because this may take a moment. Okay. Now, as of the storyline, not bad. Um, I, there are a few holes in there, which I'm sure some will be more than happy to expose and expound upon when given the Ah, you're Skyping, Dragon. Yeah. I I do... We can't hear anything you're saying. Not for a minute. You may need to disconnect and reconnect back up. Because, yeah, your ping is um, in the thousands. Damn. Um, son. I know you've 
said some bits, but uh, have you got anything to say about the featured episode that you haven't already mentioned? Well, considering Dragon said I'd be the one poking the holes, yeah, here I go, poking the holes. It was a nice episode. It was, it started out like it, you know, it started out nice. I, I took issue with the whole, look, you're in a brand new science ship that you just built with our help and the help of the Federation, and I'm the one launching these sensor probes. Um, okay. And now I'm the one scanning the planets. Oh, so okay. Um, then we get to the next sector, and it's like, oh, this is this is our home planet. The, the history of this planet has been scrubbed from our records, but considering we're in this brand new science vessel, we had to be told about it. Huh. Oh, so it's like the split between the Romulans and the Vulcans, except the Vulcans decided to leave this time, and instead of using that logic to say, hey, this was our home world and this was their folly, we decided to scrub it from our history entirely. Cool. Um, why am I suddenly getting all of this exposition right here? I mean, you just found this planet. Are you entirely sure that it's yours? I mean, it's not like we can go down there. The whole thing is, like, so corrosive, the moment we beam down, we would evaporate. Okay. Um, it's nice to know about your home world and, and, and you know, your people. That's, okay, cool. Um, I'm not sure this is your home planet, though. But let's move on. Oh, suddenly we realize what's going on. We have to... We have to, we have to stop this in Kathy because there's they're in this area and another explosion has just gone off. Oh wait, there are survivors sputtering around. There's been a space battle, and this is the part that really gets me. In the middle of all of this, we've had Rodek, Kern turned into Rodek, and is played by Tony Todd. During this whole mission, Rodek is talking about he fought the Zen Kathy. And that the Zenkethi are these honorable warriors and all this, that, and the other. And I'm sitting here waiting for this shoe to drop where he has a moment in combat where he has no fucking clue what to do because his memories were wiped by Dr. Bashir. And anything that he's been told about himself has been told to him by other people. He's not experienced it. So I'm waiting for this whole other shoe to drop where he has a crisis moment that never happens. Because what happens is the Zenkethi do something he considers dishonorable, and all of a sudden he flips his shit. Okay, that kind of proves your memories were kind of given to you and not something you experienced. Or you knew this would have happened. The whole RP blog we just went through with the Zenkethi literally said they did a whole bunch of insane shit in the first war. But okay, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna talk. To the Zinkethi. That okay. We're talking to the Zinkethi. And now we're fighting the Zinkethi. Because we need to rescue these people. And now the Zinkethi are here because they're pissed that we're here. Okay. So now they're in this other area and we have to stop a bomb, another bomb from going off. Okay, cool. That one I can get behind. And the reason that the area looked so amazing was to try to put a pin uh, a you know, a pushpin on that 
this area is full of life, we must protect it. Federation values, la 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 la. Okay, yeah, that totally works. We get down there, and um, okay, we have to we have to defeat the Zinkethi. As an Orion with that radiation gun I just got from the crystalline entity thing, these Zinkethi were nothing. I was popping the secondary fire and over three-fourths of their health were gone already. And I mean I mean that literally. Their shields were gone and half of their health was removed. And okay, so I'm getting through this I'm getting through this mission really easily on the ground because this big, huge, awesome gun that I just got from an event. And, and we get and into the cave. Thing. We get into the cave <laughs> and the first thing I notice is, oh, hey, look! It's all those crystals from that mission we just did. Except it's not in a big, huge chasm. It's right here in this little itty-bitty cave and they've got all the protomatter attached to it. Why would they have it attached to the protomatter? And it took until after we fought all of the everythings and disarmed the protomatter bomb that that Kumarki goes, I think I just figured out what they were all looking for. It's the crystals. Thank you for catching up. I think it's very realistic. When you're thinking about who they are, humans, <laughs> we think we react before we think. <laughs> I'm not even playing a human. I'm playing an Orion. Doesn't matter. You're part of the Federation. It's human based. <laughs> I'm not even. A, I'm not even part of the Federation. I'm the KDF. Well, you follow the strict rules that Cryptic and PW love the Federation. <laughs> it's 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 one of those cases of we stick our nose and stuff, and. We don't tend to ask, oh, we've been down all this, some Zinkethi. Instead of asking, what are you doing blowing up all these planets? What are you using all these crystals for? Just want to know in case I either shoot you in the face right now or I say, well, that actually makes kind of sense. You know, here's another option. You get the same thing without killing a bunch of people. Maybe we could do that. Okay, cool. But no, we beam down. Hi, Zinkethi, shoot you in the face. There's people at risk. Uh, it's 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 kind of it's the same. It's that toss. It's that toss logic of we come in peace, shoot to kill. <laughs> shoot to uh, kill. Shoot to kill. Shoot to kill. Uh, come in peace. Shoot to kill. That popped in my Scotty mind. Beam me up. <laughs> I was thinking and the same also, thing. There's there's also there's that, that there's also that uh, point in the mission where you're helping those those that first contact we're having immediate first contact with an entirely new species and our first contact ex- experience is a recovery operation because they have just been nearly wiped out and at the same time we're sending over an engineering team to one of their ships and the thought that's going through my head is why didn't why didn't all the federationy you know all the federationy know-how whoever was running the um the the RP blogs think to have had this happened when the K thirteen thing occurred, where where they were supposed to be dodging an asteroid because raisins. Because I mean, during that mission, you literally beam over an engineering team to get their everything up and running again. Uh, why did we not leave one on K thirteen? Why were all the why were all the twenty third century people forced to have to? To emergency do their own stuff to dodge a huge asteroid that was coming? They're Starfleet officers. They knew the risk when they signed up. (laughs) And 
Most of them are wearing red shirts. Yes. <laughs> Plus, it's not like all Star Trek stories make sense. Threshold no. anybody? Um. <laughs> the Enterprise um, incident, anybody? At this point, nothing surprises me. Uh, as you know, I expect when a new mission comes out, I'm going to find some weird species or thing or predicament that could have a million other ways that's so much better to solve it. But I know I'm going to beam down and shoot people in the face. And that's going to incomplete the mission. But then stir up a load of other crap that leads to another six stories. So, content. I'm kind of but- used to it at this point. <laughs> Back to what you were saying a second ago there, Valigan. I think we thought along the same lines when we first speak to Zenkathy in space yeah. and Rodek does the talking and basically says, oh, you're a bunch of dishonorless dogs, I'm going to kill you all, rah. <laughs> Could we not just, before saying that, ask them, hey, hold on, I know you're committing genocide and stuff. You want to tell us why? Yeah, we don't ask why. And then why. we can call you dishonorless dogs and do the fighting, but just give us a wee sort of skippy as to the reasons behind it. They might be desperate, you know, they're gathering resources from these planets by sucking it just to keep their last remaining species alive, and we're going to go down and kill the last remaining of them. We don't know. <laughs> they're chefs, and that's their oven. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> it could be a number of reasons. Or they could be, as a Klingon puts it, Dishonorless dogs, <laughs> but we don't know. But no, Klingon says we must kill. Let's go kill. So you know, I'm used to it at this point. <laughs> and rather than having the Federation guy that's top tier in diplomacy doing the talking, we get Klingon warrior to do it. Alex brings up an actual another another good point. Okay, so we've just rescued quote unquote these these people from being genocided. Why do we send them to K-13? A because it's now the is, prison. A station that is in orbit of a planet that they've already genocided? Because it's now our prison place. Have you seen it? Looks like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's still in orbit of the Zinkethi bombed world. Yeah. Well, it's not like they're going to get back, are they? Uh, Plus, I always prison. took it that they're completely out of time, that... The crew was left on the station because it's what they know and they're used to. That's their level of technology. So that's what I always took from there. Uh, the way I see K-13 right now, you've got the main bar area, right, which is all nice and fancy. That's full security, a.k.a. red shirts. And the rest of it is a load of crap, which is just like the halls of, you know, um, full prison. And every time they look out the windows, they get to see and remind themselves of how they got there. <laughs> so, it's, it's I'm, just I'm still prison. going over the fact in my head that a week before we showed up in the last mission, they literally detonated a genocide m- bomb on the planet. And when we meet them in this mission, they, or, well, no, it wasn't this mission, it was in the RP blog, they talk about they're reclaiming their worlds. Uh, I have a pretty good idea that the Zinkethi are going to come back to 20 Draconis, to that planet where K-13 is now sitting. Not only this, has anyone else come to the conclusion that we just really love war? No, Cryptic loves war. <laughs> wait, wait, they they, the, they love the, war so much they put it in their Explore war Asian. Because we, we've only just finished, you know, being almost wiped out by Iconians. 
And not only that, but you've also had you know all the future-proof stuff where you're losing ships left, right, and center, and taking on more stuff and dealing with interdimensional shit from other places and losing even more. Now we've basically got barely anything left, and we say, let's start a war with this unknown alien race. <laughs> it's been a rough year, hasn't it? <laughs> well, the thing is, as very much as we as Trekkies would like to have storylines which had no combat in, unfortunately, mm. gamers don't like that. I know. Um, <laughs> just the hate that came out of things like of Bajor, sort of, for the most part, apart from some simulated combat. <laughs> um, mm. I okay, say simulated with air quotes. It's, it's of Bajor, yeah. I'm just saying. But it's just this, it's the thing. People don't like playing that mission. Oh, there's nothing to do. You just run about. And of course, if you're not doing combat, then that is all you tend to do is run about. So, yeah. Well, no, I think um, the argument for that one was it, there, there wasn't any combat. There wasn't any discovery. It wasn't anything intellectual that was normal Star Trek. It's just, okay, go tap a console. Okay, we'll go tap another console. Like, there wasn't even any exploration or anything. Like, I can understand with no, Lucari. No, there was plenty. There's, there's plenty of you exploration can explore, in that mission. You can explore Here, go into the greenhouse well. and figure out what plants go where. Here, go read some books about the history of Bajorans. Yeah, I could not have got the Vedek to do that. Nah. But all I'm saying is the average player isn't like a lot of Trekkies who want to have all this exploration because to them... That's boring as hell. And even I, I love Star Trek. I love the sort of message that it gives out about a hopeful sort of future and things like that. But when it comes to the gaming, it's the combat that I like. And I have a question <laughs> You're for this, right. whole, this whole arc. Where's the Zenkethi ambassador? Fixing to die on my, my bat list. <laughs> well, I not. mean, we've had a Thulian ambassador, a Zenkethi ambassador, both talked about in Deep Space Nine, you know, when when that stuff was going on with the Dominion, you know, they mm-hmm. was talking about these other races' ambassadors to the Federation. Where the hell is the current Zenkethi ambassador to the Federation? Doesn't matter. He's an ambassador. He talks or he doesn't talk. <laughs> Lost in time. He's, he's sitting there, which probably, I don't know, sitting on a giant Zenkethi dreadnought, watching Netflix and jacking off. You never know. He could be over here. <laughs> right, sir. He's got enough arms. He could do that. Yeah, he's, you know, he'd be doing anything. He doesn't have to be there. <laughs> anyway. He's got, the, he's got the big arms for the heavy lifting and the, the smaller arms for all the nimble work. Exactly. Anyway, hopefully that we've got so Dragon wrong. back. Have we got Dragon back? Mm, possibly. Yes, you do. So, shall we try that again? So what did you think of the featured episode? Okay, take two. Um, yes, uh, uh, the storyline itself wasn't bad. Um, like Sun pointed out, there were a number of holes in there, and I happened to agree with all of them that she did um, illuminate. Um, the Playing it on my KDF Science tune, uh, I'm finding that they have that the Zinkethi have way too much resistance to a lot of the control that that tune is actually built around um it just kind of takes the fun out of it and they are rather tanky for for my character's ground build so i need to improve that but 
it's one of those of timber. I'm going to have to call you on something on this one. You, you said you didn't think that they were necessarily, um, on, on a war path, but if you'll remember in the dialogue, they say repeatedly that they are on a path of violence, which means that is intentional and that they know what they're doing and they really don't give a shit. They're going to do what they want to do, uh, just be damned. Um, or at least that's how it came across to me. And, you know, as a warrior, I can respect that. As a player, well, you know, that's kind of one-sided on their part, and I need to shoot them in the head. I completely, I, I completely agree. I mean, from everything that's been going on, all of this stuff is intentional, and just from the ones in Kathy blog that we had, all of this stuff has happened before, and the only difference this time, the only difference this time is that they actually have proto-matter weapons, and, uh, uh, well... The, the the guy leading us face first into this conflict is a guy who has no real experience with these people who has made up fucking memories I'm just saying what they're doing it, yeah it's intentional but it's not war See, here's, here's the way I look at it in Kathy they're going around blowing up planets all these crystal things we come along we see this look bad they have a bunch of prisoners as well just because we have a Zukari with us, and there's Zukari prisoners, so she's like, we must save them. Sure, let's save them. What we don't do is declare war on an alien race for the entire of humanity, both Klingon and Romulan, and human alike, and whatever else, ever species, just to save all Zukari. Now, we could, that would have occurred if, if, if this was, you know, Picard or something, was, this should be a stealth mission, right? So we don't upset the neighbors for the entire of humanity and just say, okay, let's go call back to uh, Earth Space Dock. How's your mission going? We made war. <laughs> and um, you, you don't just beam down and just go, well, you guys are, you know, we don't like what you're doing, but we're now going to kill you all. And uh, you can really relay this back to your entire armada or whatever you have in your entire alien race and say, yeah, we're going to go to war now. And you've basically, your captain has declared for the entire of every species throughout the galaxy that they're now at war, just by your own lonesome. It doesn't really fit, does it? It's pretty much exactly the same as your American president going into Africa, seeing a bunch of people go around machetes chopping people's heads off, and he decided, right, bang, 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 shoots them all off, America's now at war. <laughs> like, it doesn't it doesn't work like that, but, you know, it's it's... it's Technicalities. It's it's a game. Um, to be to be fair, it was Rodic <laughs> who declared war, not us. I know, but you know, we related. Good morning, Admiral. How no, are I... you today? <laughs> I brought you this, uh, you know, bottle of micro-brewed beer that you like, and here's the crew report for you. And here's the manifest of stuff that I'll need for my ship. Oh, by the way, we declared war on someone who's immensely powerful. They've got protomatter. Yeah. So good luck. What's that, Admiral? You want me to take you to sick bay because you're having an aneurysm again? Sorry, I know I do this every five months or so. See, this is what happens when when Quinn doesn't 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 have his <laughs> his Undine infiltrator as his assistant. He can't just beat up on Eggins anymore. 
Am I only thought? Am I the only one who thought Eggins was originally supposed to be the the admiral's punching bag? His head Toy was kind of shaped that way. I mean, he was supposed to be he was supposed to be the um, the kiff to Zap Brannigan, and I look at it like like. Quinn is supposed to be Zap, and Eggins was supposed to be Kiff. Well, then Kiff turned into an Undine Infiltrator, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, there goes the punching bag. Next topic. <laughs> next off, war. Okay, so. Um, we've got the next K-13 fleet holding unlock. Though, without any discounts, it's 200,000 Dilithium for the next Vanity Project. And that'll be running until February 16th. Prisoners so, getting an upgrade. This gives your exterior um, patrol ships. So it will look busy. Patrol ships because the Zinkethi will be coming back. No, patrol ships to keep them in the base. They're not allowed to leave. It's a prison rumor. rumor. <laughs> well, we did just spend 200,000 dilithium to go upstairs. Yes. <laughs> Space <laughs> expansion. <laughs> I'm sorry, but when that one came out, I just, I literally just, I, I had to stop and go, yeah, no, see, anybody who spends the 200,000 dilithium on that, you're a nutcase. If they built a lift, I'd be more impressive. But no, they just unblocked the stairs. <laughs> like, they can't even make a functioning lift in the, the Voyager you know, engine room or the T and, you know, if they ever come up with the T and G engine room, you know, those two engine, you know, those two engineering sections had a lift on the side that went up and down. Didn't the original Earth space dock have a lift? Uh, yes. You were able to go down to the bowels of the station. Yeah. And it actually they, moved. They, it wasn't as a teleport. The space dock still does. It has two on each side. Does, does it actually go up and down without cutscene? Well, you know, black screen loaded. Um, yeah. It does it in the same those, way it originally there's, did. There, there are three floors to the new Earth space dock. There's the, the ground floor, How? there's the bowels, yeah. which are still connected to all those foundry missions, and then there's the mezzanine, which has the, the little placard, the Remembrance placard on it. This is the only one that bothers me that most lifts in this game is just a loading screen. How unimmersive is not being able to get into a lift and listen to elevator music? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, all of the all of the all of the uh, uh, the shows have not had elevator music in the turbo lift. Oh God, a future girl from Ipanema. Because I mean, if you remember, the only quote unquote music in the turbo lift was the lift passing floors and going whoop 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 whoop. Timbo, what would you want the K thirteen to look like with these new stuff coming out? Wait a minute. Sorry, I stepped away for a moment. We're we're changing the way K thirteen looks. Yeah, the K thirteen's getting updates to the new you know new holdings, two hundred K deals, so you can upgrade the, the appearance. Um I mean the best way to do it I guess is branching it, I guess similar to what we're already doing anyway. As far as how it looks, branching off into different little um saucer sections, I guess. Or maybe having a branch off that's Kind of looks like the beginnings of a 23rd century Utopia Planitia. Mixing together the past and the present to make something that's not quite as good as either. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help you there. Science you know, you just cryptic enough. 
No, they could always try and update the exterior to look like the original Earth space dock. Or, you know, release that original Earth space dock station to the Romulans recolored. Because that whole station looked like a Romulan station. And nobody's thought to make it a Romulan station. Wait, wait a minute. Are you telling me Romulans deserve an old piece of crap? Yeah, Romulans, of course they do. The year one... I hate you all. The year one, the the year one Earth space dock for Stowe is not an old thing. It looks very Romulan. It was just colored Federation. You guys don't oh, have battle yeah. cloaks. Get with the now Romulans for life. <laughs> is that why they still don't have their own unique faction and they have to pick between Fed and KDF? It's why Cardassians will have to do the they same. They lost their planet, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they got a new one. They have a new one. Yeah, and now we yeah, should build but literally a, the only thing on a, the new. We we should now be able to build a whole new, brand new space station that's five times more advanced than a space dock. That's what I'm well, saying. There you go. You your know, own you, faction. We literally, the Romulans literally have a new planet. Should they not be building a a Romulan space station as their yeah. shipyards? Yeah. Be two years, and all that they've got on that planet is crates and crates and crates in the middle of a fenced-off area and a <laughs> shuttlecraft. And the crates are full of ale, and they're just lying about all it's, day. It should now be pissed. a city, right? There should be, like, buildings and, you know... Yeah, instead they're just drunk. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, the, since the Raymonds were freed, the Raymonds actually went off and built a whole fucking city and are living off on their own and not doing it and letting the Romulans get by with not doing a damn thing. Mm-hmm. It's like all Drink. your production force left because you freed them. Congratulations. Now you have to do the hard work. Go and drink all the sail and go down to the bottom of the cave there and have a look at the gigantic octopus that's sitting there. Yeah. The of us space dock is literally space. We just sit outside the planet, looking like a bunch of Muppets. <laughs> and if we beam down like, the planet, it's just forest. Like those guys in the New York poster. You know, the, the builders on the New York poster. I mean, you've still got the Romulan flotilla sitting out there as its own little thing, and okay, that's cool as a, as a thing. Shouldn't there be, like, a massive flotilla force on, you know, on the new Romulus planet map? Yeah, I still, mean, that's kind of where all your ships are supposed to be. They're kind of just floating through space, all getting high on Lucari weed. <laughs> you know, you know, things are bad when uh, the Iconian fleet doesn't wipe out the flotilla that's hanging out there. <laughs> Easy target, I mean, really, and it's, isn't it? it's not it's not that they're smoking. It's not that they're smoking Lucari weed. They're 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 taking that Sulabon crack, and it's called the Helix. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I, I think anyway. <laughs> I think I think K thirteen fleet holding. I think it's gonna be kind of it's gonna be like pink discoy all the way through, a bit like the bar, and it's gonna have lots of plants and everything. It's gonna be kind of half Lakari, half TOS. It's it's gonna be planty. I know it. There's gonna be a conservatory somewhere. <laughs> it's Which gonna probably... have a giant one of those Zinkethi crystals in it. And it's like, what what is this for? <laughs> and once we actually find out what what it's for, and it's sitting in the middle of a greenhouse, we're gonna go, oh. Shit. Get the protobutter. That should not be in here. Everything starts to die. Radiation leaks. K-13 dies. Hide it. <laughs> I mean, it's like when they revamped the, um... It's like when they revamped the original, um... Romulan stuff. 
the when they went back and reworked the 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 opening Romulan mission a little bit, and it's like, oh, here's the sword of the Raptor Star. Okay, now here, put a giant one in your holding. Uh, okay. Wouldn't it be nicer to actually have us have like hand replicas of the thing and not just a giant one that does absolutely nothing? See, this is completely off topic, but I think we're going too serious. Does anyone really want to actually go to war with giant space tribbles with space guns? Me. I want. I want to have a war. Tribbles, you know, tribbles. You know, the, the, can- the cannibals start eating too many tribbles, and they start going super big, and they have like they start mutating, and then tribbles, you know, can form their own race, and then there's tribble ships, and they start shooting. Is this too far fetched? <laughs> well, what you need uh, is a hybrid sort of cannibal tribble, which basically chews off someone's head and then they it's basically they take over their body so you just get these walking people with like tribbles on their head and you're, you're turning the the, the the cannibal tribble into the brain slug from futurama <laughs> yeah it starts eating your officers at your inventory you see all this nonsense lakari stuff you know and Blowing up planets. It's it's too serious. Let's go, let's go fight space triples. I'm, anyway. I'm still waiting for a plant species in stow, period. They're not going to do it just to annoy you. You know that, don't you? <laughs> or the, all they'll do is just to piss you off. They'll make them look like a bo- whole bunch of Bulbasaurs from Pokemon. <laughs> just to I think mess that wouldn't with you. bother me at all. At least then I could pretend to catch them all. At least they're a plant species. <laughs> <laughs> and there wow. it is. <laughs> anyway, moving on to things that have been released, we've got two lots of patch notes because we had a patch on Tuesday and the usual patch on Thursday. So for Tuesday, they resolved some issues with the Zincathi battle zone and also some crashing in the featured episode. They've fixed an issue with the new Alachi Escort that was not available in the Tier 6 reward pack of the Infinity Prize pack. And they've also fixed the issue where captains couldn't get into Wolf 359, who were 23rd century captains. Um, Had lots of people in chat go, is anybody else able to complete their anniversary mission? Um, Because I can't get into Wolf 359. But um, it's just like, yeah, drop it and then restart it. So um, that's now been fixed. Um, so on Thursday, they then released wait, some wait, other wait. changes. I like the last one because it says added the correct image for the ad in the mission journal. Okay, so the original the original ad poster in the mission journal for the seventh anniversary was Captain What's-His-Face on his Wells Bridge, right? The correct image, quote-unquote, for the anniversary mission is now Q on a Wales bridge. Oh, he's just here to fuck up your timeline, shit, he? <laughs> well, it's a nice shit bridge, so... At least he finally got his seat. Yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> okay. they can sit on, as opposed to sit <laughs> yes. in. <laughs> yeah. So, the Thursday patch um, introduced... Um, overflow bag rule changes so players will now see a warning that an action cannot be completed until enough items are removed from the overflow bag players will not be able to complete the following actions if the number of items in the overflow bag exceeds the numbers listed below so admiralty system 
duty officer system, R&D system, turning in missions, bank withdrawals, auction purchases, queues, accepting, so they're all um, 50, and then accepting missions, act, um, auction postings is 100, and receiving new items is 200. So in order to stop the warnings and complete the actions, the player will need to remove enough items from the overflow bag to equal under the thresholds listed above. Yeah. Which I haven't looked at the number. Um, I haven't looked at it recently. What is the number for the R&D when you're getting the R&D crafting 50. materials? 50. Okay, it's locking you out at eight. If you get eight in the overflow bag, it locks you out, not okay. 50. Sounds like a bug. Yeah. Um, I didn't even know you could put 50 things in the overflow bag, because every time I try to pick up a thing, it says, not enough inventory space. Um, okay, if I don't have enough inventory space, shouldn't you be putting it in this bag that you call overflow? It depends how it's collected. If it's collected with a load of other stuff, when you have got some space, it will then stick it into an overflow bag. If it, you're just collecting a single item and there's just no space at all, then it just won't allow it. Um, well, that's how it always used to work, unless that's changed. As far as I'm aware, that's still how it works, but considering they've actually made an overflow bag and that you can have 50 things in it, oh, not even 50, 200 things in it, then yeah, the 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 you should be able to pick up stuff to put into an overflow bag, especially if it's loot. The thing is, they don't want you to use the overflow bag. The overflow bag is just there to make sure you don't lose crap. Then shouldn't that be a whole hell of a lot smaller? No. Well, it depends. There are some things that can actually give you big chunks of stuff that you don't want to lose. I have never had a thing give me a hundred items at once. Five, maybe. Ten, kind of pushing it, because I don't think I've ever had that happen either. A hundred? Two hundred? Fifty? Nada. You buy something off the exchange or trade something, it can be quite easily done. Plus, what you've also got to remember, that they've also got the bit of coding in there that just says, if Sunseal, do something random. Ah, this is this code. is why I don't this is why I don't like the email promotions or their little things, you know, because it's it that's exactly what it is. I'm an RNG atheist. I don't believe in RNGs, so they're going to punish me no matter what. So they've also resolved some issues with the new Lakari rep, with weaponry not being the correct color, um, and some of the icons not being correct. Um, Structural analysis, they resolved an issue that caused the tooltip to indicate it scaled upwards with control expertise. The duration has also been increased by 50% at all ranks. They've resolved an issue that prevented it from triggering the debuff secondary deflector proc when it spread. And they've resolved an issue that could cause the amount of the debuff to not properly scale up with the auxiliary power distributed targeting. So, for those of you who are into all your consoles and your builds, I'm sure that will help. If anything, they nerfed it <laughs> by fixing it. Damn it. No, it's, it's good. Um, 
They've also done some things to the St. Kathy Battle Zone. They resolved an issue that prevented the awarding of protomatter micro containers after the boss fight. So that's always very useful. And resolved an issue that could cause King of the Hill areas not to reset. Because I must admit, I haven't actually played the battle zone yet. I've played the queues. I haven't played it. I've been waiting for it to be fixed. Yep, same here. Same here. If, if I want the proto matter elite the marks, I simply go to Zinkethi front advanced and I just run that every 30 minutes. The, the worst thing about those patch notes is they fixed the issues, but then created another one. Um, the battle zone before, there was obviously the boss wouldn't give its rewards, but also they wouldn't restart once the boss had finished. Then there was one you couldn't ever complete. It, you know, it's uh, something you had to stand in. Um, sit in. I, I still, I, I've been waiting. I haven't played it yet. But I've been waiting to play it with my stream. You know, fill up an entire instance. But the um, so that couldn't be completed. So it still couldn't be done. The only way you could complete it was yet to find an entirely new instance to be able to play it all the way through, and then it wouldn't be able to be played again. And now they fixed all that in the as I said in the patch notes. But now the ships that spawn in from all the different sections of the map. You know, in all the nine corners, can instantly just uh, kill whatever it is they have to kill. Apparently, you have to now have all of your team spread out in all nine sections, and you have to kill all the ships all at once to stop it screwing up or messing up. It's something stupid and silly. So now it doesn't even really start because it fails right off the bat. It's <sighs> they have a lot of problems with that battle zone, I think. <laughs> So it's still pretty much unplayable. Oh, that's a shame. Um, they've also resolved a low frames per second issue in Gravity Kills. So I don't know if that will fix the problems that you were having. Nope. Oh, I can. No, it hasn't. Uh, Tried okay. it today. <laughs> it's it's um, a bit it's a bit smoother, but it it's still, um, well, I'd say twelve frames a second. <laughs> um. No, you get roughly about 20, 20 frames per FPS, but it, it's playable. It's better than it was before, along with the pull of the gravity well and the frame drops, it was unbearable to fly, fly a ship. I can now fly my ship, so it's it's better, but it's not great. Okay. And they've also um, made available the Klingon Scout Force again. So the known issues is there is no pop-up UI that shows the rewards earned in the Zinkathi Battle Zone. Water does not appear visible when depth of field is disabled, and the chronoton jolt does not affect all kit modules. And there is no VO um, voiceover from Kamaki um, for the tier missions of the Lakari Restoration Reputation. That right there is why I believe, like I believe, that we won't we won't even have intermediate missions in this story arc. Why we'll just be moving on to the next thing. Because we had this happen in the Voth thing, and then we had it happen again in the Terran Empire one, and now we're having it again with this one. It's a, hey, we're, we, we've got this new war thing that's supposedly going on. Okay. Um, the, here's a mission that introduces the whole thing. Now go and fight the thing. Okay, you leveled up in their reputation. Here's a little bit of lore for you to help you along with what, what's going on in the story. Uh, okay. I haven't read any of it, so I don't know what's in it. But 
usually that stuff has all the backstory and all the, hey, this is the stuff we're investigating, and this is the stuff that's going on, that is normally put into these featured episodes, and it's being shoved into the the you know the reputation system so i don't i don't really see an intermediate anything happening between you know between this episode and them starting an entirely new arc because reputation exploration well time will tell okay moving on to some console news um the only news that's come out is regarding the tier six cross faction battle cruiser bundle so that is available. Um, I think it's at the moment it came out. Is it Thursday? Yeah, uh, these were made available yesterday. So we've got the Arbiter, the Karak, and the Morigu available in Sea Store versions, and they're available in Fleet versions as well. The Sea Store versions are available as a bundle for 6,000 Zen or individually for 3000 each. Now, I'm not sure if buying them from the C-Store grants the same discount that it does on PC, whereas it would drop the amount of fleet modules required. But um, that's, that's a question for Geese. Yeah, unfortunately. They, they do. Geese. They do? Uh, they do. They get... Uh... I get quite a few console players on my stream nowadays, so I've learned a lot. Um, yeah, they, they do. They get the same exact same thing. But um, I think they work a different way because <clears throat> all of their stuff's on a store, which is slightly different to the Zen store because it's kind of linked to their game because it's like add-ons. But um, either way, they do. They get one fleet ship module if they buy the premium. It's a bit like World of Tanks and World of Warships, actually, for console. Same kind of switch over. I'm wondering if this also has the same price lockout too. That like I don't if know. you buy if you buy one of the classes, you can't then go and buy the three pack bundle. I don't know about that. No idea. Because I mean, that's a thing that happens again and again when it comes to these bundles. It says, you know, make sure you buy the bundle because if you buy individually, you can't buy the whole bundle. Oh, that's they the, I think that's mainly just to stop people from trying to ask for refunds. Oh, I'd already bought this ship, and then I bought the bundle of three, but I only needed to actually do this one. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, unfortunately, Geese is uh, not feeling very well, so get well soon, mate. And hopefully you'll be back next week. At least the console's finally getting more and more power creep. <laughs> I don't know what you're on about. There's no power creep in this game. I like consoles first release. They had none of the OP stuff. <laughs> TV, I watched the, the very first day consoles released, well not the very first maybe about a week afterwards but the guys were doing PvP and they had semi okay loaded builds and they only had like the intel ships you know the phantom escort, the scryer, the eclipse and um it looked like olden time PvP you know we had to take 15 minutes to get through a shield facing it looked fun <laughs> <laughs> so Wait, what do you mean there's no power creep in this game? I mean, the Iconians He's showed joking. up and literally, like, <laughs> obliterated the, the Klingon High Council, and by the end of that entire arc, we were handing this orb to them and telling them to fuck off. Okay. That's pretty power creep to me. It was a joke, son. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So, for combat log, um, Timberwolf has done some more budget builds. 
So you've got um, a few videos that you've released, Timberwolf. I think he's okay. So, um, yeah, there's um, three videos that we'll be linking into our show notes. So he's got a budget build for the Lakari, um, is it Hukun science ship? So if you're wanting to know what to use. Um, you know, my microphone was off. That was fat. That was just bad. <laughs> you press the fucking button. I need to press the fucking button. <laughs> you did a man. You. He did this earlier the week. He did this earlier in the week on the Facebook chat too, didn't he? Pushing yeah. a button and making the video thing start. Yeah, I sometimes hate Facebook Messenger. Uh, it's a good thing you're not a professional broadcaster or podcaster or anything else like that. Yeah, you know, you would have been it, fired from P one. Now, yeah. Unless they could make money off of it, then maybe they would have kept it. Timberwolf budget videos. Huh? Hey. Promote your shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I just... I I worked on three videos this week. Uh, budget and high-end of the Lucari, because you can't... You can never... Oh, okay, well, you've been in the game for four years. Well, you can't guarantee that nowadays with them trying to market for new people, so... The budget video was mainly done for people that are just coming to the game or don't have a lot of resources. So it's pretty much mission rewards. Just mission rewards only. You don't spend pretty much anything in the game whatsoever. Disruptor build! Yeah. And you know, there's plenty of rewards now where you can actually build decent builds just off of mission gear and no investment just to test out things. But that's why I did the high-end build. Like, okay, if you got some resources, this is what you can do. Um, yeah, mine and your budgets are slightly different, aren't they? Mine's kind of fleet budget. Yours yeah. is true budget. I mean, and like I said, some people don't have a high-end fleet, so they might not be able to spend fleet credits. It was a comment that I had gotten a while back on one of my budget builds. Like, well, I don't have that much fleet cred or that much dilithium to... Okay, well, let's just go cheaper then. That was the, only, that was the whole reason behind it. Um hmm. And then I got the Atlas class, thanks to a buddy of mine. So I did a review on that, and yeah, I didn't use 23rd Century Phasers, but that'll be something I do later on. But overall, I like that ship and that console. All I can say, that console is nice. Is it for the latest Dreadnought? Yeah. Yeah, uh, the console. <laughs> I was doing my PvP build today, and someone was mentioning, why don't you use this console? I'm like, yeah, that'd be great, if I wasn't on the Fed. <laughs> I don't want to buy the entire ship for a console. <laughs> I've already got enough ships I need to buy. I don't need to spend another well, three hundred and eighty six mil. Well the oh yeah. Well no the um if you're flying the, the KDF or Romulan, the the yeah. Fed the Atlas console's in a cross faction lockbox. I picked up one for my KDF for seven hundred and fifty thousand EC off the exchange. And he and she's got the Atlas Dread console, so the only oh, yeah, she's got it. Yeah, the Strud console is—it's—it's uh, it's a good console. I like, it's, I like it a lot. Um, the ships themselves, um, yeah, they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> to me, they're just boring. But um, <laughs> I don't know they're, they're nice, and uh, I keep up with the budget builds. They're good because they're lower than my budget builds. <laughs> well, I mean, and it was—you know—you go from these high-end builds. You're used to doing all this damage. So you do these low-end budgets where there's just nothing, hardly there. It's just the 
literal bare bones and you're just like, Ugh, I'm only doing that. And then you have to bring yourself and I'm like, okay, there's nothing invested. It's just mission gear. It's fine. But for what I put on that Lucari to be able to do, I believe, what was it? 40k and a one minute CCA wasn't bad because that's what I try to use for science builds anyway. If you're using a science ship, you might as well test it in CCA as well. Um, and for people who don't know, CCA is Crystalline Catastrophe Advanced. The big thing that I like about the Lucari ship, though, and I don't know if Valakin's going to share this opinion. Probably not. <laughs> but but for me, and from what I've seen just over the past week, week and a half of having the ship, the healing console that comes with it, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same as far as when it procs for its healing as the Kobali, but it's damn near close as far as its healing quality to the Kobali. Plus it has oh. the broadcast, so it's helping allies. Because when I was in a Zinkethi front advanced, um, I was in a pug and nobody was guarding the base at all. I went back to the base at 35%. I popped the console next to it. it the console, by the time it was done, healed the starbase to max. Plus kept me alive while I was defending I'm it. I'm going to say, oh, I happily agree with you. The console's brilliant. Yeah, I, yeah. It, uh, for me, what I'm referencing now in these new budget builds, I'm saying if you don't have the Kobali console, use this new Protometer console. And if you're into PvP, slap it on your ship. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, it's, no, it's a good console. I like it. Yeah, you don't want to miss out on this one because otherwise you've missed out on two healing consoles that, you know, they could end up being a must-have for your build. And the links to these videos will, of course, be in our show notes. Okay, so, on to Star Trek timelines. <sighs> Do we have to talk about this again? Well, they've got a new... <laughs> <laughs> they've got a new event out this weekend. See, no. I'm in the same boat you are, Timber. It's like, okay, they have a new event. I'm not playing it. I'm not playing timelines anymore. I'm not well, playing timelines anymore. Related. Well, I'm not playing we, timelines anymore specifically from the fact of, oh, here's a new event and new crew to go along with this event. Oh, but you're not getting any more slots. I only say it because even Midnight has had issues with it as far as the amount of crew versus slots and how much has been spent just to get new crew slots to the point where even for him playing it, uh, I would consider hardcore as far as getting all the crew slots. It has become uh, not worth it to continue to get crew slots and all of that, where even he's stepped down from it somewhat. Um, no, uh, it's Star Trek. It's, it's a good way to pass the time. Um, I'm just waiting for something else besides the weekend events, to be perfectly honest. Like, we've been exploring the weekend events in the game for a while. This one has to deal with, what, Dancing Ahura. We have Shakespearean Data and... Tony Todd Sisko. Yeah, Cisco. Tony Todd Tony Todd Sisko. It has to do with um, the arts and this annual festival that apparently happens on Earth, but I haven't seen it on Earth. Maybe it's because of all the protesting. Um... <laughs> But, you know, okay, it's another event. We've got more crew. The problem that a lot of players do run into is available crew slots. Um, my first question for them is going to be, and I hope they are listening, can we have something that, you know, because the PvP aspect you, ha you made for sure, it's there in the game, can we make it a PvP starship weekend? 
or you know something has to do with the starships because right now the only ones we deal with now are crafting items and shuttle events and i think that could be something that would draw some people back into it if it was a starship based event well as well as this event that's going on this weekend um which is your usual you send missions off um one of the things that's been added with one of the new changes for version 1.7.1 is Gauntlet. Um, I actually got that in my release um, today, so I was actually having a go. So that's like a, um, a PvP, but with your characters that you've got. So you actually send people out against other um, officers that you have in your list against each other. And it's actually quite fun. So um, It's crew PvP instead of ship PvP. Basically. Um, so it's a different type of PvP, and, well, as much as you get with PvP with timelines, because basically they use a paper doll, um, and it's just random. You, you don't properly play against other players in the ship or the, um, the crew PvP with um, this game. But um, no, I found it quite interesting, and um, I enjoy playing. So um, definitely sort of have a look. Um, iOS users should be aware that um, your version will remain saying that it's 1.7.0, but should actually get the same functionality. Um, but for whatever reason, the update was all rolled out in the dot zero one for you guys. So basically what you do is you pick five of your crew and then you can compete up to a um, couple of hundred players and you get prizes for the amount of wins that you get. So if you get on a roll, um, the higher the prizes that you get. So and the prize at the moment is a Locutus of Borg which is um, a le legendary quality. So, um, so yeah, I think the biggest streak That's that amazing. I got... What I um, usually get on a roll is... But yeah, I think I got four or five wins in a row um, as my top um, amount. But um, yeah, I um, had to get ready for the show, so I didn't get a chance to uh, do it. But um, just like with some of the missions that um, they've introduced, that as you use your crew, they sort of get um, well, tired. <laughs> Their ratings go down and things like that. And you can only use them so much before they can't be used again. And of course, time, dilithium, or um, bonus consoles and things can actually bring them back to life. Um, and I think there's a four-hour cooldown, so um, after four hours, all your crew should be recharged. And it looks like this um, each gauntlet event goes on for a couple of days or so. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of how that progresses. Um, one of the other things that I've noticed is when it comes to the crew management UI, um, you know when you've, you're over your um, allotment for crew, you've usually got it that it's all sort of greyed out. They're all blocked out. Yeah, that is so annoying. Well, now they made an update, I think it was about a week or two ago, 
where you could actually see the information about which character it was properly, um, which was really nice. But they've actually added something more to it where it actually says whether it's a duplicate or it will actually say if it's fusible. But do be aware, one thing that I have noticed, if you, say, got awarded um, two of the same character, it will come up saying fusible. But, of course, that's only fusible with the duplicate you've just got, which is on one of the ones listed to be deleted. So sometimes you can actually get that something is fusible when in actual fact it may not be. Um, so, um, yeah, just be aware of that. So um, They've also made some other UI improvements during the game. Um, I haven't had a huge look around um, since the update. So... Um, so yeah, I intend to have a, a little look. Um, I do believe that you should have an in-game mail, um, which should uh, um, give you 250 chronotons. Um, so that's because people had some technical difficulties last Saturday morning to um, get into the Galaxy events that they had going on. So if you haven't been in-game, um, you should do so because, as always, these messages don't stick around for too long before they time out a lot of the time. Um, now, there's also reports that investors are to pour in um, a load more money into Star Trek timelines. Um, now, I hadn't actually seen this report. Um, Stu? Yep. Um, it says that new and existing investors have managed to raise $8.5 million for Disruptor Beam. And it's because they're they're quite hopeful and confident about the company's potential with an upcoming Walking Dead game coming up later this year. But it's down to the successes of timelines that basically doubled the amount of people that were playing their games that they've kind of thought, well, if we put some more money in, we'll be richer at the end of the day and go off to buy our own private little islands and stuff. So they've just started plugging in millions. Well, hopefully some of that money does actually go and get put into improving timelines and not just The Walking Dead. And yes, the um, plans are to use the wealth to continue to expand and reinforce the existing games that they have as well as moving into their new projects so some love for the older stuff as well as for the newer stuff yeah now as we sort of mentioned sort of we have all got a bit frustrated with this game at times and uh, for a while even i stopped sort of playing um for the most part i literally went in and collected the chronotons um at the relevant time for the bonus hours and literally didn't do much else. Um, and even at one point, I stopped getting the little daily dilithium amounts as well. But I must admit, after a little break, just doing that, I have actually gone back in. And like the crafting event, when I first started doing it, I found that really boring. I had no interest in it. But now that's actually one of my favorite games. And um, quite enjoying that. And I've started sort of leveling up some more of the crew and things. So, yeah, I've been getting back into it. I've also been buying the 
daily dilithium stuff again and so and yeah as i said the gauntlet is actually quite a nice um add-on to the game so i'll be playing more of that as well but uh, as i said if you haven't played it recently um go back in and have a look see what you think so um but yeah i'd be interested to know what other people think of um the gauntlet um what do you think of the mechanics of the game so um son do you think you might go in and have a look uh, i i have been at least logging in once a week i just haven't been staying around for it it's like oh you got a new event going on cool does it give me slots for these new characters no okay bye yeah no it would be nice if as at i said this point, there are over 300 crew and at, well like i don't even know what the max is but the max is somewhere somewhere around 100 so, well, no, well, it's more than that, because I've already got 150. Give me a choice of reward that you want to give me. You can either give me peoples, boosts, or items. I'll take the items, please, so I can level up the guys that I already have. But no, it would be nice, even as I've said before, if when it comes to getting the legendary crew, you get your gold per person that you also then get a character slot, slot. for. Yeah, because it's um, an event reward. Yeah, so because I can understand why they don't give one away for every new crew member or anything else like that, but I think for the top tier ones, is you should actually get um, a new um, crew slot. So, uh, and and I I agree, I wholeheartedly agree, Stu. There really does need to be an event where you're essentially doing nothing but getting stuff you need to level up crew you, you don't need it we you know we need an event where we're not getting crew we're getting stuff to level up crew we already have well the gauntlet seems to be doing that i've got credits i've got um training um stuff and things like that so the gauntlet seems to um be giving out those sorts of items by the looks of things a, i have a million credits and almost a hundred different training manuals. My problem is the items. The yeah. items that I need to, like, unlock five and six episodes later to be able to get the one item that they require for being uh, getting past level ten. I suppose that's when you're supposed to play the episodes, isn't it? That That's where most of that stuff comes in. And this, but this, there is are where the, this is also where the disproportionate leveling comes into play. Because I haven't really played any of the... I mean, is the new leveling system supposed to be in place now? Because I, I, I haven't even looked at all that. I log uh, in, I go, oh, it's an event. Uh, do I have any crew? Eh, okay, <laughs> I'm out. I mean, I've tried trying to go through the missions, and I get stopped at this point, what, every once, once every one to two to months? Only because every time you get through a get through a to a story arc and you start the next one, the requirements needed, you know, for each one, like oh, I need sixty science for this last mission of arc one. Okay, well, that's the highest I need. Okay, cool. I get my characters where they need to be. Okay, so maybe arc two is going to start off at sixty five science. That's what I need. And typically, yeah, instead, it's one hundred and forty. So you have a massive jump where you're grinding 
the first arc and then all the weekends just to get to episode two. I think right now, and I've got you know level one hundred crew. I've got some epic crew, and I think I'm to the point now. It's almost four hundred and twenty five just to get a success, not a critical, but just a success. And half of them I I'm not even close to. That's been my big thing when playing the missions is the jump from one story arc to another as far as requirements has been so massive of a jump from one to another that I think it's it's hard for players to keep up with that because of how much they have to just grind out the same levels over and over. It's, yeah, I think it's, I... it's more or less to the point where like if you want to make for sure you can complete normal of the second story arc, you have to go through normal, and uh, what was it, elite and epic of the first one. You have to do all three levels of every mission to level up your tunes enough multiple times to get to that point. And then you're just doing normal of the second story arc. I think that's the biggest thing that might be holding back a lot of players from playing it. I know that's why I stopped doing it, because I think I got to episode four. Um but Lucchesi in our chat has actually said the new leveling system is in place and much lower requirements. So, um, so yeah, I might go and have a look at doing some of the episodes again. I might I actually I, do that later myself. So, so yeah, um, as I said, there's new functionality out, so go take a look. Okay, well, that's the news for Star Trek Timelines. So, on to main viewer. So, this week we have got more information on Star Trek Discovery. We've had the new logo revealed um, because production has now begun. And there is also a video that's been released as a mini trailer. And it shows a little bit of some of the uniforms and a little bit of the stage and um, sound stage and things like that. Possible other ships. Hmm. So, um, yeah, didn't give away too much, but definitely something to pique people's interest. Um, now, the logo I found was interesting because beforehand the logo had the delta, it was sort of split in half. But now we actually have um, things, it's like it's overlapping now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, my question for the Discovery emblem is this, and anyone who can chime in on this. This is set before the original series, correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Before the original series, each starship had a very unique emblem to represent their starship. The, the arrow that we're used to, the Delta Shield was specifically for the Enterprise. Whereas if you had the Constellation, it was like a little swirl thing, pretzel-looking thing. Or if it was the Excalibur, it was a sword. Um, and I... For me... Starfleet I, had this little star design. Yeah, for me, I think when they were making Discovery, they forgot that. And they just went, well, everybody recognizes the Delta symbol, so let's use the Delta symbol there. That's not necessarily true because the new emblem itself, the, the, the emblem itself is dual toned, which means the delta would be split in half in colors if it was a patch. It would have a gold portion and a silver portion. I still think considering what we've seen from the original series patches, it's too close to what we already know. They could have done something radically different or left the emblem off because 
I mean, we proved it in Enterprise. They didn't need an emblem on their um, their shirt. It wasn't exactly needed. Well, they, they did. They had the Enterprise patch on their shoulder on all of their uniforms. I know, but I'm talking about the Delta on their chest. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you could have the patch for your starship, but you know, they that was each patch was different per starship. The thing it, is, it was a unique look. It wasn't something. Oh well, your patch looks like that starship from twelve years ago called Discovery. It was radically different each time. You could tell an Enterprise patch from a Columbia patch, from a Franklin patch. Yeah, but the. One of the reasons why the Delta was split and it now sort of overlaps could be for the Discovery. It is the same sort of Delta, but slightly different. So I think it's a cop out on design uniqueness. No, it is because um, you, you see it on the badge on the chest of the uniform. It's, it is the Delta as we know it with the bigger bit of the one side and the smaller bit of the other. It's, um, it's These, definite. Or Star Trek Delta. I, I just He's, find it as lazy designing. I and I'm I'm sorry, but that's how I see it. If you wanted to to you know usher in this different starship, and you know Star Trek lore, then designing it to look even eighty percent like the Enterprise emblem where we saw in the original series, it's lazy designing considering what we saw from the Constellation, the Excalibur, the Lexington. The thing is, to me, it's not. It's actually better marketing because people recognize it. And also, we will only truly know because we know there's going to be a second starship that we'll see um, that's involved. So we will only know if that's the case of them using one Delta for everyone, like we saw later on, um, because we'll know from that ship whether or not it's the same that we see on the crew of the Discovery. Okay, well, if they definitely use the same one for that other ship as well, that is definitely lazy, lazy design. As I said, I, I wouldn't say that it's lazy. I would say it's I would more abs- to do with marketing. and It's to do with just brand. People recognize the Delta. It's Star Trek. And the thing is... They recognize not- Star Trek from the title Star Trek. I mean, the Delta is not necessarily the only thing they recognize from Star Trek. They could no, put out the a Delta starship. No, but the what they've trademarked as their brand. Yeah, but you don't have to have just that Delta. I mean, if and you're just is, relying even on the Delta... Even in the animated series, you go into that, and they'd already moved over to everything just being the Delta. You didn't see any other thing on anyone's uniform apart from yeah, the Delta. Yeah, because that's after the original... That was set after the original series had ended. That was a continuation... Which could yeah, have meant that it, they standardized it. But it was this still in the same before. era. But, but it's set before. I'm I'm sorry, your your rationale is not gonna work when it's something beforehand that goes against what would have been oh well, discovery. Okay, we'll just reuse this patch, but every starship that's gonna come after it will have something different. Every can't you can't give me a logic. Well, the thing is, the thing is, it's lazy design because they want to just use, oh, well, this is the Star Trek brand. So let's just use that because nobody has a brain that watches Star Trek anymore and they only recognize one symbol. So let's keep it simple for the stupid fans. 
the thing is, what you also forget is in Deep Space Nine, the next generation, is you actually have people wearing different types of uniform, even when it's on the same bridge. So uniform you could have, is different from a badge. No, but as part of a set of uniform, you could have different types of badges for different types of uniforms. So this group could be someone who's wearing the new ones where they're starting to work in that everything is... with showing with the delta as their pin it's not one per ship and they could have been the first group of um Once federation again, 12, staff to actually use them. 12 years before original series why would they start to work for something that they would not do by the, the time delta of the original was series? the enterprise's crest and the only. only reason it was made into the whole of Starfleet's crest is because the Enterprise was, oh my god, that is the fucking hero ship. Yeah. It's commanded by Batman, it's got Superman at the fucking helm, and the Enterprise has done so much and came back from the dead and went back through time, been miniaturized, maximized as much as it could over the space of those, whatever, 60 episodes. So we're making that our badge of the whole fucking Starfleet because it cries out badass. It wasn't about before but it was about after. So yeah. you've you've taken another Star Trek prequel series and you fucked it up in the same way that you took Enterprise and thought, oh, wait a minute, we can't live in the past anymore. I know, let's have a time war and bring the future into it. I'm going to go and breathe for a second. <laughs> All I'm Don't saying is... Don't you just is, love nerd arguments? All I'm saying is uh, it's still too early to know exactly what they're doing with it. They're wholly doing the, the JJ uniforms, that's for sure. Yes, I poked that bear. Those blue things that they were wearing in JJ Trek. Just like the... the God, what were those? The, the jumpsuits that they were wearing? It's like, oh, here's the Delta on one of those weird-looking jumpsuits from the, the 09 uh, Trek. Ah, oh, the Kelvin. <laughs> Plus, not to mention Fucking up that, your continuity since 2009. Plus, not to mention that you go through any part of Star Trek, that basically canon becomes what is the most recent part that was actually distributed and produced. So you can go back to just saying, like, warp speed, the maximum warp. Um, it became that warp 10 was the maximum warp speed you could go. But then in the original series, they were going sort of like warp 14 and things like that. So even what we've already seen in other series, things get rewritten as it goes on. By lazy um, writers, I know. So the thing is, it's not always just lazy writers. It's just there is so much lore out there that... And the deadlines I, a lot of the I times they go Justin through. Lin, the reason Star Trek isn't the way that we all remember it is because they know the fans could not handle the intellectualness of the original Star Trek premise. They have to have shiny and explosions in Michael Bay. That's that's, that's because, the whole that's marketing America's thing. Gotten stupid. Yeah, so that's why they're using the Delta. It has nothing to do with anything other than well, they recognize it because it's a picture. It it's that's it goes on their own marketing. That's my problem with it. If they wanted to be a little bit more intellectual with it, they could have come out with any kind of patch they wanted to. They went with, well, people are stupid. They just know the new movies. That's the only symbol they know. And, okay, we'll market that because money. 
because money that, that until I see something different until that other starship comes out with a different badge that looks like a pretzel or a lamp or something like that until it does that that's all I'm gonna see and if it comes out with the exact same delta then it proves the point that's all I'm waiting on if that second starship comes out with a desk lamp as its emblem or something weird then okay they're paying homage to the original series okay, it shows some continuity. If we've got the same Delta, dude, no. You're selling a an image. desk lamp? Why not make I, it a hot air balloon? So long as it's different, I don't care. Either that or Speaking you of, refer to okay, something for, for, unexpected, like you say it's based off of the logo of a famous company from Earth in the 90s where uh, big computer evolutions and advances were made. And oh yeah, their boss just suddenly went missing in mysterious circumstances. If you say something like that, I'll just go, oh wow, I would shake your hand and hand you a beer for doing something like that. But I severely doubt that'll happen. So for for those of you who are wondering what the hell we're talking about, in the little production trailer that they released, a little teaser, there is a shot of a an Elkar screen with a schematic for another ship that isn't the Discovery. And that that several people have bantered back and forth isn't in fact is is in fact not the Discovery, but is another Federation ship. Which interestingly enough, this ship looks a whole hell of a lot like the Polaris class from Stowe. Not only that, but that image, and I could be wrong. It looks, it honestly looks more advanced than something that even would be in the original series. Uh, going to on me, just the Elkar. That just looks like they've tucked the funny looking Klingon hull a little bit further under the front of it. But that's just I, my point of view. This is what I discussed on my stream today. I had no idea what the hell anyone was talking about until you mentioned that. <laughs> Apparently, I discussed this on stream today. <laughs> Um, <laughs> full circle. Uh, yeah, now I know what you're talking about. I've been seeing yeah, Netflix. <laughs> that, 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 that ship looks a whole hell of a lot like the Polaris class, and because it looks so advanced, quote-unquote, for where we are in the timeline, I'm going, yeah, there's not going to be a temporal arc in there somewhere. Because, I mean, it could pass. And, you know, this is purely conjectural, but just going on that Elkar, it could pass as an Akira class from the 25th century. Now, it could be that it was just an engineer drew up an idea and that's it's just in the idea stages and it'll probably show up later in the season because they built it and it looks different. But it it could pass as a futuristic starship. Or a well, prototype. see, that's the thing. the The Polaris class is part of the um, the recon science ship. If I'm not well, I know, I'm talking about, I know what you're talking about, and yes, it does. I'm talking about it could be a. It could also pass off as a futuristic Akira. It just it has that feel from that Elkar look. It does. Well, I I, I bring this up because um, if if I'm remembering my book lore correctly, which I haven't read anything, so what I'm gleaning is from what people have talked about back and forth, doesn't doesn't um, or didn't Admiral Riker pilot the Luna class, which is that type of vessel? Titan. Yeah. The, the USS Titan. Titan. It's a Luna class starship, yeah. So, so 
you know, again, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, God, there's going to be some kind of temporal bullshittery. Nah, they've just, they've taken the ship that's in the trailer, they've tucked the bottom hull a little bit underneath it, they've probably flipped it upside down, and bang, there's your new ship. Well, but they probably will throw time, they cut, they, they will throw time war into it, because everything has to be temporal. <sighs> Yawn. Yeah. Well, they, they, yeah, that hull section has holes in it too. The the pylons that reach out for the nacelles. Yeah, that hull section has holes in it too because it has a mid strut section in that schematic. Yeah, there's like an impulsy engine being fueled on the way to the warp drives. That's one thing's for sure about the production video that got released is it's definitely getting people talking about the series. Um, because with all these little snippets that it showed, it's got lots of people doing exactly what we've just done. Um, so, uh, no, I, I think here's a nice little video. Of course, the link will, of course, be in our show notes um, if you have not seen it. So, um, yeah, take a look. So, um, Sue, you've got something for this week in Star Trek history. February 3rd, 1997, uh, Deep Space Nine episode for The Uniform first aired. The episode where traitorous swine Michael Eddington shows up to give Cisco grief because, well, he was kind of good at that. So he disables Defiant using a computer virus and runs away. And Cisco has to get towed back to Deep Space Nine by the USS Malinche whilst the Malinchi and their captain go off to apprehend Eddington and fire the phasers and have the fun. It doesn't work out like that when the Malinchi gets wrecked by Eddington. So Cisco, probably against better judgment, takes out the Defiant, which is basically in pieces without even a working comm system, to go after Eddington again. And the whole thing comes to head when Eddington starts chemical weapon attacking Cardassian bases. So Cisco responds by chemical weapon attacking Eddington's Maquis bases in the area, which sort of makes Eddington go, whoa, 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 you're nuts. Okay, I'll surrender. It's because Cisco's a badass. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The whole thing is, all which he is does ironic. is he well, fights fire with fire, doesn't he? And it's not like he didn't give them warning that it was going to happen so it gave, he made sure people had a chance to actually get out of there unlike Eddington who just fired so yeah it's, but it's not exactly a Starfleet tactic otherwise he would have actually gotten permission to do it that's what can, makes can, it so badass can I just point out this is the first time we see the holographic comm system in use the only time no 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 we see it again later when, when Bashir's exposes an augment because oh yeah that yeah, we, we, we do see it, I think, an extra two times, because I think it's also used in the final episode as well. Um, oh, no, it's not used in the final, because it's a split screen on the view screen, isn't it? Just a little bit on the same topic, but off topic. Does anyone else find it extremely funnily ironic that Captain Sisko, the badass that gives no fucks captain, his actor is a religious hippie? Yes. <laughs> I, I was just wondering when funny. someone else was going to notice that. <laughs> but you just got to remember that he can live with it. Can he? 
I'm sorry, that's my favorite episode. You just referenced my favorite episode <laughs> of all time. It, interest, it, it's, it's also interesting to note that, yeah, it, Eddie, you know, a lot of people give Captain Sisko shit for, for doing what he did. Eddington did it first. And he did it, like, without warning. He released this bio-agent into the atmosphere of a Cardassian planet that used to be on the Federation side of the border, so Federation people could start settling on it again. Well, what does Cisco do? Even the fucking odds by releasing a human toxin onto a planet that used to belong to the Cardassians so the Cardassians can settle on it. And in doing so, making sure that um, retaliation from the Cardassians couldn't be done because it's just like, well, you can't live there, so you can live there, and they can go there. So, and he also got, got he also got Eddington to turn himself in because, boy, was was Cisco willing to just go all out for every planet? Cisco was going to turn another planet. Yeah. Eddington's like, you made this personal. It's like, no, that's kind of the only thing that can happen if we want to avoid another war. Yeah, the thing is, is Eddington made it personal when he started just poking Cisco again. Ha! Ha! <laughs> I fooled you. Ha! And the worst part of, the, the, the whole worst part of the, you know, that actually lends legitimacy to that fact is the fact that Eddington brings up that that other friend of Cisco that we that we saw for like two episodes and never saw again. It's like, oh, did you know about your friend? Yeah, he spoke very highly of you, but he's dead now. Like, dude, oh, you're the one making Calvin this Harris fucking personal. Calvin Harris, whatever his name was, yeah. You're the one making it personal. If anything. He is showing an inordinate amount of strength to not beat your face into the comm panel right now. Because I sure as hell would. <laughs> so, on to conventions. So, um, do you found um, something about 50 years of Star Trek art? Um, do you want to go through that? Yeah, so this one was up on the Star Trek Online main page because they appeared a few times during this. They appeared on the opening ceremony of the exhibition, which was yesterday, uh, with a, a multimedia sort of... like like a playtesting centre where people could go in and play snow, basically. But this is at the Chabot Space and Science Centre in Oakland, California. And... It's the latest stop on the worldwide tour of the Star Trek 50 Artists, 50 Years, which is a traveling exhibit created to commemorate 50 years of Star Trek. So it features work by 50 artists from 10 countries around the globe, including some photography from the late great Leonard Nimoy. The exhibit includes original 2D and 3D pieces by artists, who selected a variety of media, illustrations, photographs, sculptures, paintings, graphics, and more to express their love of the franchise and inspiration gained from it. And I remember this being shared somewhere else and somebody mentioning that that uh, Thomas Maroney was actually in the exhibition. Like, some of yes. his art was in it. On February the 18th, Thomas Maroney will be presenting a discussion at the closing night festivity 
which is an adults-only event, but he's showcasing the starships of Star Trek as an exhibit entitled The Other Main Characters. One question. My only question. Can Sith attend? Yes. (laughs) Well, maybe. I'm wondering if he's going to bring his uh, model of the Pathfinder there with him. (laughs) I still... I have a running it's... gag in my stream. I'm a Sith. I'm secretly Sith. <laughs> Even though I play Star Trek, I'm you secretly can, just a can, Sith. You can attend as a Sith, but your lightsaber <laughs> must be peace bound. Sorry, I'm just thinking of um, the Big Bang when um, they had the opening of the Star Trek, um, the Star Wars, Star Wars um, Star movie, Trek, yeah. and Will Wheaton comes down, <laughs> Spock <Yes>. ears, <laughs> and he was going boo. Same thing. <laughs> so, yeah, that is February 3rd to February 19th. So, if you're in California, then head down. Let us know if you do attend and what you thought. But midnight, what if I'm not in California? What if I'm in, say, Britain? Tough shit. <laughs> that was supposed to be a really smooth roll onto the next subject. I know. I know. So, I'm going to start calling you Spanner. <laughs> so, just a reminder that um, FCD um, has got the Out of the Ashes 2 event. As people recall, a couple of weeks ago, we had Ross and Will on the show to talk about their event. So, this is from the 31st of March to the 2nd of April. And this is, of course, in the UK. So it'll be held at the International Centre in Tilford. So Why Tilford? I don't know. Why Tilford? I don't know. What's a Why Tilford? Anywhere? The International Centre. Oh, got it. It's See you later, Dragon. Sl- slightly difficult to get to. Um, now, um, I will be going. I've got my tickets and hotel booked. So if you are attending, let us know. Um, it'll be great to meet up with you. And hopefully, Stu, you'll be attending as well. Oh, dear. So, um, so yeah, should be a good weekend. When is it? Uh, it is the 31st of March to the 2nd of April. Yeah, that's doable. I just realised it's only an hour away from me. I don't know how long it's going to take for me to get there. I don't think yeah. I can make it to that place you speak of. No. Um, it should take me about four hours to get there. So I'm I'm estimating about twelve hours by bus. This might be the very first convention I've ever gone to that's not taken me about six hours. <laughs> well, this will be the first convention that I'm taking my wife to. Um I've managed to convince her to come along. Oh good god. So, well what I've done <laughs> is I, I snuck in the convention in with our holiday, so I'll be heading up north to go see family yeah. um after the weekend. So that's- that's sneaky. I'll give you that. It's that's uh, it's a good one, but I'm telling you, it's still going to end badly. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing is, is my son is a geek. He loves Star Trek, so she just can't get away from it. Um, so um, yeah, she's sort of trapped with going. But, <laughs> so, but um, in there is nearby a shopping centre, so I'm sure if she gets too bored, she'll just take my card and disappear there. I was oh, about you to say something assured, along those lines. Rest assured, your card will be missing, and there will be charges that she won't explain to you. 
You'll well, just have to accept them. <laughs> well, I haven't actually told her about the shopping centre. I've been able to get away with that. But at least if she gets too bored and sort of stroppy, I can say, well, there is sort of a clothing shop just up there in the shopping centre. Okay, first question. Does she <laughs> listen to the podcast at all? Because if she does, you're already screwed because she already yeah, knows you're about it. <laughs> No, she doesn't. Otherwise, I wouldn't have mentioned it. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have mentioned someone that's not a Star Trek fan slash geek <laughs> has made four of their way uh, three and a half hours into a podcast about it. He's safe. <laughs> I don't know. He He does do the editing as well, so... She could hear it on the editing part. Headphones. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Don't worry. She she won't hear about it. Unless I tell her. So <laughs> I'm safe. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it should be a good weekend. So, um, And of course, in six months time, we've got Star Trek Las Vegas. So that is, once again, a five-day event. It's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And that's the Which second to I the will sixth be of August. Ooh. I hope you have a good time down there. Thank you. Yeah, the earliest I'm going to get to STLV will be next year, but it's probably more looking like it'll be 2019 before I can afford to get there because yeah from the uk it's not the cheapest of trips so it's not no from what i can gather from friends who went last year looking for about two two and a half grand oh yeah easy so um plus because most of the time that i take off is actually for childcare, i'd have to make sure that whatever i save also has um enough to actually pay for what would be my normal wage because I'd have to take just time off from work, which wasn't holiday. So, um, yeah, looking for more than that. So, so, yeah, given that, although I would like to go next year, I think that realistically, especially with the way cars and things keep going wrong, that it's actually going to be more 2019. <laughs> um, or if, if I want to have a perfect vision of the future, then 2020. Yeah, well, apparently by 2020, you'll be able to find out my jetpack, so... Yeah! I didn't, think, I didn't think anybody got that joke, but never mind. As in... I, 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 I got the 2020, but... <laughs> 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 I think it'll be a lot cheaper, because you have a jetpack. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, on to Holodeck. So, Renegades, as... A, people should know who've been long-time listeners to the show, um, was Star Trek Renegades. Um, they have reworked their show, given everything that happened um, regarding Axanar and the new rules for fan productions. So they are now just called Renegades. And this weekend, we should have part one released. So um, keep an eye out. Um we will, of course, have the link to their website in our show notes. And if by time it's posted, it has been released with the video, I will include that as well. So The new uniforms have a very, very, oh, it's Star Trek mixed with Power Rangers vibe. So I'm not the only one that saw that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and you know what makes it so fitting, son, is... We got the Power Rangers movie coming up soon. So it's like, oh, 
we can watch two movies for the price of one, technically. <laughs> I see a comic book crossover. I mean, hell, they've already done Green Lantern in Star Trek in the comic books. Why not? Oh, Planet of the Star Trek apes. Yeah, they've done Doctor Who Superman. and all sorts. Yeah, yeah they, ju- they just did Green Lantern with the new series. I'm referencing the new ones they're doing for the new movies. They did Green Lantern, and they had Q piss them off and throw them into the future so that Captain Kirk- this new Captain Kirk could meet Sisko kind of deal. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> let's throw the Power Rangers into it. Yeah. It was a bit off topic, but I did hear there was a mod for Star Trek Online where you can make your spaceship look like the Doctor Who police box. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, but considering it's like a third-party thing, it's probably technically illegal. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> not. Parser's a third-party as well. Modded, you can mod, uh, you can put the mod on that makes your ships look like uh, the Borg ships. And that one was actually made by the developers themselves. Ooh, silence. <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to go look at the terms of service again because I'm pretty sure the, the like all of that stuff read that that the third party applications were almost ex- explicitly forbidden. Nope. Oh dear. Got a friend called Riddosaur who Molly boxes who's uh, <laughs> able to mod his ships to like Borg, so he runs the Borg Queen Diamond and uh, has spheres following him around. And uh, he asked. Oh, uh, he asked. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we're talking about a friend here and not you, because you might get in trouble with that. No, I won't. I know all the terms of the rules. I've had to deal with perfect world on many occasions. Hell, I just got accused today for violating their rules of engagement. Doesn't surprise <laughs> me. Well, I haven't. So. We we know for a fact though that they they cower in fear of you. I mean, once you're finished smashing the Zen Kathy, you'd. Smash and bomb and anti-proton your way all the way to their office, <laughs> and you'd be at their door and just sort of knock and go, "Are you in? No, <laughs> open fire." <laughs> uh, yeah, my reputation doesn't perceive, does perceive me in that thing, but no, no, their violations of terms of service. They they have these set terms rules right now, and basically anyone that. Really, really, they literally follow them to the heart's content, but then when you actually look at it and what you're doing, it's nothing like of the sort. They just kind of follow set rules, so you can have to argue with them a little bit. But no, the the modding thing, the modding for uh, ships, that is not because um, what's a what's a name you had on your show once an interview to Timber? Um, she streams Perfect World employee America. Maria Rosso. Yeah, that's Maria. the one, Maria yeah. Rosso. She uh, confirmed that the Borg modifications was made by them, including she had a part in it, and said you can use them if you can find them. Yeah, they not are rather well hidden. Yeah, they're not against their, they're not against the terms of service. But um, anyway, <laughs> onto the topic. <laughs> anyway, moving on to science lab. So stuff going on in real world science. Stu, did you want to take that away? Punxa Phil, the only true weather forecasting groundhog has predicted six more weeks of winter by seeing his own shadow. On February the 2nd each year, the town of Punxa celebrates the legendary groundhog with festive atmosphere of music and food. So according to their tradition, if the groundhog sees his shadow and runs back into his hole, he's predicted six more weeks of winter-like weather. If he doesn't see his shadow, then he's predicted an early spring 
and this has been going on since 1887. And the most recent Punxsutawney Phil has had a few brushes with the law because of inaccurate predictions, and he's appeared on TV several times. I just, I kind of, I kind of want to point out that, like, I don't know who the who 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 is communicating the groundhog predictions. Because anybody who has ever seen the Rankin-Bass classic film Jack Frost knows that Punxsutawney Phil has always and will always predict six more weeks of winter. No, I've actually got a listing that goes back to 1887, and he's not always predicted winter. I'm, I'm, I'm making a thing because of the film Jack Frost. I haven't seen it. Yeah, the whole story of that thing is Jack Frost made a deal with the the groundhog to always have six more weeks of winter. Right. Well, apparently there's been 102 winters, 18 early springs, and nine no records were kept. So I guess at their festival, their little nice United States of America shindig, they might have got just a little bit too pished to make a note of what the groundhog did. Either that or the groundhog never came out in the first place. That that has been known to happen as well. Especially when especially when you start a quote unquote festive atmosphere of music and celebration. It's like I ain't uh, going out there, you human beings are causing all that noise and ruckus all out in there. Ain't going out in there. So you close the front door and make sure you have soundproofing, cause that's some scary stuff going on out there. I mean, honestly, would you want to leave your house when it sounded when it when it sounds like <laughs> the world is ending outside your front door? If it sounded like there was a party with lots of beer and like sausages and stuff, I would be right out there. Yeah, but see, that's a thing. You're thinking in human terms. You have to think like a groundhog. This is a sound. These are sounds that groundhogs do not associate with the party. When they think of party, they think of chittering and a whole bunch of food that's already around them. These sounds, this cacophony of noise, all of these chittering other creatures being around, that's a tremendous cacophony of possible death. I mean, am, am you know, am I crazy for for seeing the the groundhog side of the situation? I would say that you were crazy. Yes, um, I would say yes to that part. But I would say that you were empathetic for siding with the groundhog. This is why I'm such a good Orion. So, from groundhogs to aircraft carriers, the USS Enterprise CVN sixty five has been decommissioned. The Registry was struck from the Naval Vessel Register yesterday and has been given to history. Uh, no, today. Okay, today for you Americans. Eh. Eh, don't make me come over there. You and your temporal mechanics on the same damn planet, quit it. Now, have they so given... We, we actually had a, we had a message from the commanding officer of the USS Enterprise, and it reads as thus... This week, on the 3rd of February, 2017, we will decommission the USS Enterprise, CVN-65. The eighth ship to bear the name Enterprise will be struck from the Naval Registry and be given to history. The kill was laid on the 4th of February, 1958, so the decommissioning will occur in the dry dock in which it was built and one day short of 59 years from when the kill was laid. 
This day is truly a historic moment. Enterprise is and has been a record-setting ship from the day she first set sail through her 25th deployment Enterprise has served honorably and with distinction. The accomplishments of the world's first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier are many. Those, fleets, uh, those feats could not have been done if not for those who sailed in her, worked on her, oversaw her operations, and most of all, family members who supported them. The sailors who have flown from her flight decks and operated and, and fought with uh, and operated and fought this magnificent warship through many of the major world engagements over the past five decades. Well done. It is through your efforts and dedication that our ship has accomplished its mission. The ship was well built uh, by those at the Newport News Shipbuilding and Dry Dock Company, and over 55 years, those same shipbuilders helped support. Uh, Support the maintenance and upkeep of our prized ship. In Norfolk, Virginia. Sorry. <laughs> the individuals from the Naval Nuclear Propulsion Program ensured the safe operations during the life of the Enterprise. And the family members who have supported all of those I have just mentioned. Enduring long deployments, long hours, and times of uncertainties of a changing world. You, as much as anyone, have allowed our ship to succeed. Finally, I want to acknowledge the final crew. Their efforts over the last four years have respected the dignity of the ship and all those who have been a part of the ship's life by putting her to rest safely and respectfully. Well done, USS Enterprise, CVN-65. So there you go. Thank you for reading that. So. Dude, did you you add a you added a fast fact? Fast fact, yes. Um, the Enterprise was unable to appear in Star Trek Four, probably due to other commitments. I understand she was in the Mediterranean at the time on undisclosed maneuvers. However, the USS Ranger was available to stand in as a stunt double. And the Ranger also appeared in Top Gun. That's my fast fact. Nuclear whistle. I think they're kept in Alameda. So, on to in the community. Um, yesterday we got the news that, unfortunately, Perfect World Entertainment has done another round of layoffs, which unfortunately included um, the community manager for the last couple of years, Laughing Trendy. So, um... Yeah, unfortunately, after she's only just been promoted um, a few months ago. But, um, yeah, it's been... Uh, You're doing go. a good job! Have a promotion! You're fired! <laughs> is they did the same with Captain Smirk. Well, no, no, they didn't. Um, they just fired Captain Smirk. They didn't promote him. Well, he'd um, been doing a lot of stuff in the community. He'd trained up um, the likes of Laughing Trendy to do a lot of the other stuff so he could concentrate on doing sort of a lot of the um, live streams no, and I, things I like understand. that. I understand. My thing is they promoted her to be like like all of the Cryptic Games community manager, like a global community manager, and then fired her. Yeah, well, she'd been working on um, a lot of titles for Perfect World recently. 
and uh, yeah, it's Dr. Dryan and Fireass. And it's just yeah. unfortunate. As I said, they did this with Captain Smirk. Is they get someone in who does a good job, does a load of stuff, and then they get rid of them. So um, it's back to basically having one person doing things. Now, unfortunately, Trendy, she didn't get the time she wanted to do things like the live streams that she desperately wanted to do because she had like the forum move over to Vanilla and all these other projects that ended up taking up a lot of her time. Um, but she got a lot of things started, like the Bug Hunters and things like that, which has really helped the community a lot. Um, so um, it's now down to Mike. So I was just going to say, I think she knew she was getting being gotten rid of because she was training her replacement. And what kind of bullshit promotion is senior community manager when you're not heard of anywhere? Like, he took over her job completely, and then she's just left to do whatever she wants. It's it's well, kind of it's it's like the same thing you offer to uh, a lawyer when you're training your replacement. <laughs> well, no. Um... She had been promoted and she was working on more than just Star Trek Online. So her job had encompassed basically most of the PWE titles that there were. So she was doing a lot more within PWE, which is why um, they got somebody else who was dedicated to just doing Star Trek Online. So that's why Ambassador Kale... um, Mike Tatum, um, he was basically taking up her role just doing Stowe. So, yeah, she got promoted to take on a bigger role within PWE. So, she was, but that's yeah, why she was, she was basically coordinating uh, community, uh, uh, community moderation between a whole bunch of games, including Neverwinter, Champions, and Stowe. Gigantic um, springs to mind as well. Yeah, well, then that makes no sense. Why would you... Okay, we're, we need you to coordinate, because we have so many different things going. We need a coordinator, and you're fired. That's you know, the, hey, if, hey, look, that's that's what I just said. It's like, you know? here's your promotion. Welcome. You're, you've done a great job. Here's your promotion. Now you're fired. Unless you're selling some of your games off, and you don't need someone to oversee so much anymore. Yeah. That's well, not I mean, happened. I mean, if you're promoting, if you're trying to promote someone to take care of, okay, we need someone to manage the managers because there's so much going on. The f- last thing you would want to do is, okay, well, you're promoted and you're fired. You'd want someone there. Okay. I, I discussed this on stream today, and it was before they made the statement announcement. Uh, we just heard you've been fired, and there was like nothing, there was no information around it. But it was before the statement. And then we heard the statement. Um, there was more than just Trendy that got laid off, right? Oh, yeah. There was, yeah. There was a whole yeah. bunch of people. Yeah, so, there's a whole bunch of people again. And as I said, it's not the first time this had happened. When Captain Smirk got fired, it was the same thing. A whole group of people. And it seems to be every couple of years, <laughs> given how things have gone, that PWE goes through this thing. They've hired a load of people and then they go through and fire a lot. Whether or not it's something to do with financials, where they try and get um, costs down or something like that, I have no yeah. idea. But it... at first, I was saying it was like it's either you know they're just getting rid of bad luggage, aka 
older people, which they just want, you know, younger eyes on it for, you know, maybe a new change. So they get rid of all the old baggage and they shove in a whole new one. It's like upgrading a PC. You throw out your graphics card, your processor, and your RAM, and you get a new one. <laughs> um, or they are losing money and they're trying to get rid of the non-essential uh, people around, P- around PW, and it's slowly going under. This is the only two options. It's the only reason you'd fire someone like that after a promotion. It's yeah. like... You well, like, it's like sometimes it's also to do with cost-cutting as well, because... Yeah. Um, people who have been there a long time and who have been promoted or on higher wages, they then get somebody in who's newer, costs less. Only problem is, is of course, in the long run, that's always more expensive because they then need training, they need time to learn the systems. Well, then um, you always have a lesser experienced crew with the current product. I mean, how I deal with that at work. My current job field has an 85% turnover rate when it comes to people leaving the company or getting fired. And what happens every time in the building is, okay, you're ending up, yeah, you just are with someone you're paying less. And they're also infinitely less experienced with what they're dealing with than the person you just let go because, oh, well, they're making a dollar more than what you think they should for the budget. You lost someone that's been there for 10 years that could train people like crazy they could do it by themselves well now you've brought in someone that has no idea what they're doing they won't even be competent in what they're doing with your product because they have to learn your product your training everything that you need them to do it's gonna take them a while just to become competent much less even longer to actually become proficient enough where they can improvise on it and make it better and that's yeah. that, that's a that's a negative loop that a lot of companies are going through right now and they don't realize it. Yeah, the problem is is that it's to do with short-term gains because they can make these cuts which at times where they've maybe got to do reports to shareholders and things like that, they can say, right, this is the state of things and then they go through that, they then have to rehire, retrain. But the thing is, is things like that are sort of invisible costs which people like shareholders don't see and don't care about. Well, you're saying short term. You know, that's what a, sh- a short term company, mm-hmm. a startup, would do. Well, it, does that mean that PW Cryptic is looking at something that's been around for seven years is short term? No, no, no. Man- I, I don't I'm mean. Using, I know, but I'm using that as as a good example because a lot of these games that are doing exactly this, they only last for a year or they last for two years. Like they're, you know. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, well, what happened to them? Oh, well, they didn't last because they were just, they pop up and they've gone. And if that's the thinking that Cryptic has right now for something that they're wanting to have long term and they have already planned for long term, then that's a negative way of thinking. You want people to stay on for a long term deal. You want those guys from Doom that have been around since they started the company and look where they're at now. Unfortunately, it's not just new companies that do it or things like that lots of companies do this they get rid of um highly competent people who are very well trained know the company for and when i mean short term i mean short term gains for the company as in it shows on their books as something lower for when they've maybe got to do a report because rather than having someone who's on a much higher wage it basically just it's a way to give impressions 
um, to like shareholders. It's not sort of short term as in the short term of a product. But that a- argument falls apart when you realize that PWE is no longer a public company with shareholders. It is owned by yeah. a single fucking have- man. See, his I got a perfect example. Um, he's on the like right lines, but yeah, they don't have shareholders anymore. They're private sort of company. They got rid of all that. Now the perfect example is um, before I got in, when I got laid off from the BBC, I had to go back into um, import and export, and I had to start from the bottom. Now uh, I was, I got the easier way in. My uh, mother at that point was the export manager, and she always has been a manager of import and export. So I had to start from the bottom. So I got trained up by the guy that had been there slightly longer, uh, showed me the ropes. But I've done lots of import and export anymore, so I was easy to train. I then was there for about three months, and it was in three months, me and my mum working together managed to turn around the entire system. It was shit. We made it so much better. We got rid of all the crap. We got put new systems in place and how to do it. We trained everyone else to do that. And then it was all good. Now, because that happened, and me and my mum were the forefront for it, we were kind of up for slightly more pay because we've managed to completely change the system around and earn them more money. The moment you do that, you're suddenly more important than everyone else. Within a week of the new system being in place and everyone knowing what they're doing. My mum got sacked, and because I was related and was along with it, got sacked as well. Alongside that, they then sacked six other people that all that we had trained to do the system, but before they left, they had to train the new guys coming in to handle the new system. And all the people that were originally there were all sacked. They got about eight to ten people that day and replaced them all and then followed our system. It's the same thing. Trendy might have put up a new um, system in place, like the forum things you mentioned, and was managing, was doing well. And then a load of other uh, the guys that had known the systems and everything got used to all that, replaced them all, have them train the new people, and now the new people will now run it. And they are no longer important because they haven't done anything yet. They haven't earned it. And then as soon as it comes around again, the same thing will happen. So he's along the right lines of getting rid of people so they don't earn more money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, you lose all that experience. So from a customer perspective, it's a bad thing. From either shareholders or owners, things like that, they get the gains of extra capital that they get to keep because they're not paying the yeah. extra wages. And, and the whole thing for experience, I mean, that's why I brought it up is, you know, I looked at it because I knew it wasn't just community manager. I looked it up and some of the openings are content designers. Okay. So, you know, it might not be related to Star Trek online. It could be something in general. It could be for another game because it's cryptic. Okay. How does that look to a to the gamers, let's say an STO, that okay, you know, we're waiting for new content. Oh, yay! You laid off content designers. Now you're looking for new ones. That holds back production, which means less whoa, content. Whoa, 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 perception. Whoa, whoa, back up, back up, back up. As far as I'm aware, Cryptic didn't fire anybody. PWE no, fired their internals. Yeah. Either, either way, I can also. Cut that one out as well. They've they're always they've designed every um, 
everything they've got for this year has already been designed and done. They they always focus a year ahead. They they're already on next year. This year has been done, planned, settled. It's all yeah, emotion. Does the average they, does the average player know that? No, that's that's my point. The <laughs> no, average this, player, this the average player on the, the forum, here here the average player on the forum on Reddit does not know that. They see this, they go Meh! and there you go. Well, see, we know better. They don't. And see, that's that, that was my argument. It's like, look, the optics of this are horrible because on one day you have trendy going. Yeah, bye PWE, and everybody's like, "What? What happened?" And and between the back and forth on Twitter, you've got, "Yeah, Trendy was fired," without Trendy ever saying the word, "I have been fired." So, yeah, that's that's a thing that went on, and the outpouring of support for Trendy and going, "What the hell? Why would you do something like this at PWE?" And then the next day. For Cryptic on its Star Trek Online Facebook page to go, here's a list of our job openings, is just, the optics of that are fucking terrible. Even if it is two separate companies, they're still a linked unit. Mm -hmm. And most players don't differentiate. They see one, they see the other. So it's a terrible image to show, oh, we just lost Trendy? Oh, well, hell, there there went Star Trek Online for me. Even if it is a you know a parent company or a different company or whatever the case may be, most players don't make that differentiation. They really don't. It's just like the whole deal with, and I've made this example more than once: the Wiz Kids promotion and the fuckery that was that. Wiz Kids couldn't handle the demand. Cryptic took the flack because the player base saw, well, Cryptic, you didn't you didn't make for sure I could get my free code. So it's your fault. Wasn't their fault. Had nothing to do with them, but they took the, f- the flack, and that's where you'll. It's probably already happened on the forums. They've taken flack. Oh God, we lost content designers, and because it's the average player does not differentiate. They don't try to investigate those kind of things. I guarantee it's already happened. Honestly, I don't know. In fact, um, Valikin, you said there was a an, an official press release about. Her being fired. Oh, it's uh, it's a statement saying that um, uh, crap. I can't remember what it was done. Did you have a link? Do you have a link to that? Because I have not seen that anywhere. It was uh, copied and pasted into my stream chat today. Um, yeah, it was like halfway through my stream. It was a, it was just, it was a statement from PW saying, now it's all going to be fine. You know, that nothing's happening to the games and anything like that. But just having uh. Um, a change in uh, personnel, and that's, that's it. Really, they just promise that you know everything's going to remain the same, and the company's not going under or anything like that. They just basically just said everything's Sorry, fine. Sorry, Valakin, I'm just going to cut in on you there. I found an article. Uh, Perfect World has laid off just under 30 employees. No impact on MMOs. Uh, article that went up on the third, which was this evening. Well, yeah. Yesterday evening. Uh, I'm that might quickly be quickly fling that article across to the Twitch chat so we can all see it. Yeah, that, that might be the one. Someone found it and then they posted it in my Twitch chat. It's the only statement we saw that was ever released. Like, article type thing. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's the one. Always difficult. However, we're incredibly grateful for the contributions those individuals impacted and the best help to 
uh, yeah, and it's not going to impact any of the games. That's the one. That's the only thing we've heard. Yeah, and just under that is, meanwhile, across the hall, <laughs> Star Trek Online <laughs> posts, Cryptic Studios is now hiring bad optics. What the fuck? I mean, this is this is about as again the Whiz Kids promotion, the thing that happened with the groupies thing with um with uh with with Lita when she was doing that thing. Yeah, no, the, anything that involves anything more than Star Trek Online, even if it is their parent company, falls to shit, and that is why it is the worst moment in Stowe. It is just it. it Somebody is sitting behind the wheel going, I am intentionally trying to Donald Trump this into the ground, and it's just not working! He went there. He went there. Who? He who? Sorry, she. I'm sorry, I'm very tired. Timberwolves (laughs) thinking that Trump Trump went there. Yeah, Trump went there, then you went there, and just, ugh. You're tired, it's 20 to 5 in the morning. Hey, there. you volunteer. That's a man who knows what time it is. <laughs> Stupid temporal mechanics keeping people up late. But no, this is this is just, I mean, again and again and again, we see this, and it's... <sighs> if, if there's one thing that anybody knows in today's day and age, with social media everywhere, image is everything. That, that's, what, that's all you've got. Image is everything. So if you have all these people saying that they're gone from cryptic and trendy saying she's gone from cryptic and the very next day you're posting a whole bunch of job applications and all this it looks bad because people are going to make that connection even if it's incorrect the, the image is everything it's it's just uh, it yeah I, I i mean even with the you know the 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 worst part of at, at least at least somebody from Perfect World responded to all this crap. Cryptic didn't even have the wherewithal to to post a statement about the Wiz Kids bullshit. Well, and at least you know. And when the groupies thing happened, when the groupies thing happened, it was groupies that stepped up and said, "We will honor all these other things too." I think I know what this might be. The um. I just looked at the uh, the positions that are available for Cryptic. Because Perfect World and Cryptic are basically one entity. Like, everything Cryptic does, PW promotes and sells. Like, PW is literally the uh, the advertisement company for Cryptic. Right? PWE is the parent company. Yeah, but did they sell the games? Cryptic make them, PW yeah. sell them. And right. th- that's the way it goes. Everything you just looked at, under 30 people were laid off from PW. On here you have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 positions. All of them are individual pieces you need to make a game. Right? You've got content designers, systems designers, game designers, content of systems, software engineers for audio, game, and all levels, software engineer build and release, engines, graphics, infrastructure, character artists, concept they artists. Need a, they need a guy for... They, they need somebody for metrics. Yeah. Game Anima- data analyst. An, hang on. Animator, VFX artist. Every single position of those is what you need to make a game. Right? The thing is, all, all those people. positions have been up for the last couple of weeks because we um, highlighted yeah. that um, those posts yeah. a couple of weeks because- ago. Now, Cryptic, a, a while ago, uh, it probably still is on their main homepage, they said they were um, 
expecting a release. If you, I think it's on the main page, it's, uh, if you go through the things, it said ages ago, top secret development. There you go, top secret in development. Critic Studios work on the latest top secret online free-to-play game project. And it's been like that for about a year. <laughs> it's just been top it secret. It just needs the staff to make it. You just need the staff this to make the, it. Yeah, this is the thing install was supposed to be working on, remember? So all those careers have been up there for a week, and then you suddenly have a, you know, you, you pitch that you want to finally, you know, start working on this game properly to PW to sell it. And then they go, well, we may not have the budgets for this to be able to, you know, support another whole team for another game. We not, may not have the things. What can we do? Let's lay off some of our stuff. <laughs> So we can get this stuff in, and you know that that's another way of looking at it. It's just a very the numbers add up. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, I think it's all different, and sort of as we said, PWE got um, bought out their shareholders, so it could just be a tax thing it could be all sorts of things and the thing is we're never going to know well at I'll the tell end you what, of the day if a, if a game from cryptic come like a trailer or uh, something that the game is now in pro- progress of works you can come back and say you were closed. right Val. you were right <laughs> no but the thing is closed alpha codes through your arc mail the thing is that anything that cryptic's doing would be based on profits from cryptic so, because they are a company in themselves, they want a new thing. Yes, they might go to PWE for some sort of investment, but for the most part, it's going to be cryptic run themselves. <sighs> Unless they have to go to CBS to get approval. Well, that's the same with anything. If you've got a special licensing for the game, then yeah, they will go through them as part of the process. But um, yeah, it. I think the stuff to do with hiring in Cryptic is different to the firing in PWE. Um, but as I said, we're never going to know. See you later, Timber. Okay, so let's move on to community feedback. Oh, boy! So what were the contest rules again? Well, first of all, last week um, for the 250th anniversary, um, we asked for... Um, people to review of signs and portents, to review gravity kills, and to review the Sinkethi front. Um, and to write about 100 words. And for that, you would actually get um, some prizes because we'd got some ships to give out. So, um, because of work and health um i didn't get a lot of the posts out till um quite late in the week so i'm extending the feedback um for those so um if you feedback regarding doing reviews for those missions um you will have a chance to win either the krenim imperium warship the paradox temporal dreadnought and um also a poster signed by Star Trek Online developers and we've also got some TOS boff codes to give out as well and what we're also doing is um, we've also got um, three keys to give away as well 
and that is in relation to um, anyone who answered the community questions from last week. So question one is, has the circuit project interested you in donating to the Kickstarter, which will be started in March? What do you like, dislike about Stowe's seventh anniversary event? And what's your favorite timeline event and why? So um, all those prizes will be extended over to next week. So um, what we'll do... So you do... actually made it in, Chozo Elder. You hear that? You made it in. A week ahead of schedule. So what we'll do is this week we will leave reading out the feedback for the community questions, but we'll go through the general feedback. Also skipping the reviews and the general feedback. Um, if they've done review... If the reviews are in the general feedback, then yeah, leave those out, but then anything else um, will carry over. Well, let's start with Alex then. Hey! Skipping over all the stuff that's supposed to be skipped. Feedback. Marketing. Does not matter. It, it does not matter who came up with what. It's a fact that pretty much every free-to-play MMO out there implements some sort of lockbox. If you want to blame someone, blame the whales. If people didn't buy this stuff, the companies would stop making them. Never and blame they the would whales. also lay off a bunch of people, but details, eh. The whales is the sexiest ship ever made and ever will be, and was the original first amazing science ship for PvP. You cannot knock that ship in any shape, way, or form. <laughs> the box? Yes. Not the ship. Leave the ship out of it. Blame the Welsh? What? The wells. She said, "Blame the wells." You don't blame the wells. <laughs> that ship, glorious. All the puns, punny man. And midnight. I am neither greedy nor jealous nor entitled when it comes to ship promotions, but I still see an issue when a subscription MMO invites former players back in. They usually offer something like have five days of free game time, or ten days, have a mount on top of it, or a pet. Or some cosmetic item. A tier 6 ship is way more expensive than 5 or 10 or even 30 days of game time. A code giving them 500 zen? 1000 zen? A uniform pack? Maybe an exclusive epo pet? Those would all be in line. If you feel like you have to throw a ship around at these players that some of your more faithful players paid $30 for, well, I guess your opinion of this game is rather low when you have to bribe players like this to get them to come back. You call the angry players greedy and entitled. I, I call that marketing department insensitive. Another issue with these promotions is, well, there's a problem with quote-unquote exclusivity and stow in general. Exclusive ships are a problem because there are stats involved. Remember how many people got upset when they figured out they couldn't complete some set because of exclusivity? I just explained how these tier 6 ship promo mails don't bother me personally, but I still see issues with them. Now let's go one step beyond. The tier 6 Nagus. Nobody knows how to get that, uh, that ship. And let's be real, some people are collectors slash completionists. This kind of thing might trigger OCD. 
make it impossibly expensive, and they might decide that they're going to pass. But if you take choice away from them, a lot of people will get unhappy. If you were hell-bent on doing the Nagus promo, give those select few the Tier 6 Nagus with the golden skin, and give the Ferengi enthusiasts slash min-maxers slash collectors some way to acquire a Tier 6 Nagus with a regular skin. And yes, I remember the Phoenix box. That might be a possible solution, but I'll believe it when I see it. Winky face. Exclusive cosmetics are way easier to explain than exclusive stats. But that would require the company to actually take a look at the competition and see what seems to work for others and try to adapt those findings to your own. <coughs> Stow's awesome random cue. <coughs> And when I say exclusive cosmetics, those mounts and pets and cosmetic items are usually using an existing model and just a slap-on of a different skin. Or they make the exclusive item first and then allow their players to acquire a reskin. So in many cases, it's not even an exclusive item. It's just an exclusive skin. And it works for all those other games. Oh, he mentioned earlier about the infographic in the community uh, feedback that we that we skipped so now for the infographic yes i know what the executive producer said last year no it does not change anything i explained it before if a game is successful there will be some form of bragging if it's not important enough for a press release they will do so during their quarterly earnings conference calls or in this case the annual infographic. So when an EP writes that this was, quote-unquote, the biggest year in the history of the game, there is no way marketing would let that opportunity pass by, at least if the marketing department was worth its money. They would work overtime to get something done. By the way, I read that console players are unhappy because their in-game calendar has telling them for over a month they would be getting an anniversary event now. And just a day or two ago, somebody at Cryptic Perfect World finally noticed that error and informed them that they would not be getting the event right now. But they would announce something about it very soon. Yeah, I was not pleased with that myself, because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, these people who say they play the game all the time and who have created an entire console version aren't paying attention to their console version. Like, they kind of don't pay attention to the PC version. People have to rail about stuff being off and wrong before somebody does anything. So, eh. God, they must really hate me. If I talk like this, I get every single Perfect World Encrypted employee banned from my stream and never to visit again. You guys talk like it? It's all fun and dandy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, you're a public figure, though. You're, you're, what, okay, so you're well. what the YouTube community calls an influencer. See, you yeah. have this voice. What you the say carries riser. Yeah, I'm that guy that's like stands up and says, "You all hail me, and we shall take over the cliptic." <laughs> Sorry, was that bad? <laughs> the I, I'm the guy that rabbles up for the guys with the pitchforks at the fire, and uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm a bad influence. 
Chozo Elder actually sent us feedback too. Chozo Elder writes, the criteria for the free ship email is completely random because there is no rhyme or reason to it. There is no pattern to be found with the people saying they got one. I spent my uh, ground up Zen day one for the Archon Tier 6 Sabi release. If anyone would be salty about it, it would be someone like me that actually spent the Zen. It doesn't bother me because I don't expect free things. If I see a freebie, I'll gladly take it. It And then, that's the end of it. If I know that others get the ship at level spec points while I get squat, then, oh well, good for them, better luck next time. I don't know how else I'm supposed to say this. At the end of the day, there are bigger things in life for me than getting upset over missing out on freebies in a video game. Doesn't concern me, to be honest. Uh... Oh well, didn't win the lottery this week. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and we're used to that, right? <laughs> Especially because I never put a ticket on. <laughs> See, that's the weird thing. It's like saying, oh, you didn't win the lottery. And Okay, when was I ever entered for this lottery? The second you handed over your email address and said, <laughs> yeah, send me stuff. Yeah, pretty much. The, um... Yeah, I suppose the giveaways and things, it's, yeah, it's to bring it back. And yeah, it is a bribe. And yeah, they have to bribe pretty hard, because let's face it, we know the problems. <laughs> so, but when it comes around to it, I mean, most of the time, they give everyone the code. Like, what was it, the 10 spec point thing? They gave that to everybody. The three yeah. tier five ships, they gave that to everybody. And they came in via email. Um, but, you know, the big special ones, like the golden plated whatever it was, throwing yeast, ugly looking thing. Um, I'm not upset I didn't get it. I hate the ship, it looks ugly. <laughs> it's like, it's not It's not a big thing for me. It's like, if I get it, yeah, sure. If I don't, well, I got unlucky this week, that's fine. I'll but get the next the one. That's thing, is it's just another marketing campaign. And, yeah, the companies that do these things, they're never going to give out what their criteria is because then you'll get people complaining oh i qualify for that why didn't i get and it's like well we only gave away so many and it's just like but still you said you had to be it's just like yeah they're not going to do that because then next time people are going to sign up going well last time that was your thing but this time it's different why is that i now qualified i spent all this money doing this and now you've changed the criteria it's just like yeah they're not going to put themselves in a position where people would expect to get something if they did a certain thing so they're going to do these giveaways because people find out there's a things being given out they check their emails they sign in in game to see if they've got some notification it's just a way to drum up publicity for themselves and the worst the, thing, the, the worst thing is i think uh it's majority not everyone always gets it because they actually have to manually program um the giveaways as codes like i remember when i got given the um it was <laughs> okay i won't go into the story but uh, i got given 30 <laughs> tier 2 red chips as a sorry um and they had to i had to coordinate it with the his last name's Money, if you believe it or not, from Cryptic. We had to program in all thirty, all thirty uh, codes manually to give out. So when they do the big, you know, mail giveaways involve the thousands of people, like I'm sure they just get 
beyond the point. I can't be bothered to do anymore. Let's just send it out. Okay, send. <laughs> it's. I mean, they should have just a, a bot that does it, right? But it seems to me they manually do their codes. Yeah, they, so. they've got to code in exactly what does and doesn't get added to these things. And yeah, someone's, of course, got to do that. And it's all time to do these things. So they'll only ever give away so many. So no matter if you did qualify for it, it'll then be a random just selection of who qualifies but the, well, the question is you don't know what the qualification is that's the big pain in the ass right yeah but yeah. <laughs> that's that's the thing is as i said if they've got to tell people what it is every single time they're just not going to do it nope. because they start saying what it is people then start saying i qualify i should have got something this time yeah. or why did you now change the criteria to something else and, well, that just becomes hassle to them. They're not going to do it. It's as simple as that. So, and that's why I meant last week when people just feel entitled that they should have got it. Because people think, oh, only people who spent lots of money in-game got the um, gold Ferengi ship. So I should have got it because I've spent two grand in-game. It's just like, well... <laughs> Use my example. <laughs> um, I'll put it in chat. <laughs> yeah. But it's just... As a, that, that's why I meant last week when I said that people just feel entitled and it's mm. just like it's got nothing to do with that sort of there are people who said that they got the um, ship but they're free to play they've never spent anything in game and these are some of these people they still log in daily so it's not to do with people who haven't played for weeks but because the thing is with these things they just do a lot of the time it's just completely random Sometimes yeah. it could be people who have not played for a very long time. Sometimes it could be people who have spent X amount. But yeah, they're not going to do the same thing all the time. They're going to change it around and um, depending yeah. on what they're trying to target. All, all the emails will be alphabetical and they just take certain amounts of each part of the alphabet and boom, out they go. <laughs> it's, it, it can be as random as that. It's... Yeah, uh, but as I said they're never going to tell us and if they had to it just adds complexity to what they've got to do in organize because you then get more people hitting it but out saying oh i should have had i want refunds and crap like that and they just stop doing it altogether. so okay um was that all of chozo elders feedback that we could read, yes. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the other stuff next week. I understand. Um, the only other feedback that we got um, was more um, to do with a post, which was actually from Manu Interami, who we had on the show last week. Um, he um, shared um, our post and said, I love these guys and gals. Um, this is a great podcast circuit updates heard in this episode as well as renegades and fun stuff and of course that was in relation to episode 250 which was last week so um so yeah please take a listen if you haven't done already i do i listen to it all while farming <laughs> <laughs> nothing better to do. Um, but yeah, if you're wanting to win the prizes for our 250th anniversary, um, the exact um, 
requirements and information will be in that show. Um, I'm deliberately not putting it into the posts because um, I'd like people You who, have to listen to the show to get the swag. Yeah, rather than people who see the post and just reply to the questions. Um, so they don't think it's anything and they're all annoyed and they're like, why didn't I get the Ferengi shit? <laughs> ah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, um, as it's the 250th, I'd like to make sure that the people who have actually been listening to the show actually get rewarded for listening to the show and also um, responding to... It's um, almost like you care about our listeners enough to release the details of the, the, the event of which you are holding. So, so, yeah, if you haven't listened to episode 250 and you want to know the full details of how to get the prizes we've talked about, then, yeah, take a listen. Oh, by the way, Chozo Elder, we will... If if Midnight is feeling better next week, we will roleplay the things. It it has been spoken. Yeah, um hopefully my throat and chest will be a lot better. So I I saw that, laughed and said we had to do it. Stu looked at it and he laughed and said we had to do it. Midnight still hasn't read them yet. No, not yet. Okay, that's it for this week. So thank you all for joining us. And uh, community questions for this week. Yep. So for well, may as well start with last week. So if you want to be able to win some keys, has the circuit project interested you in donating to their Kickstarter in March? Question two was what do you like dislike about Stowe's seventh anniversary event? Question three was, what is your favourite timeline event and why? So, um, still time to reply to those. The best answer for each question um, will receive a key. Then for this week, question one. Looking back on the last seven years of Star Trek Online, what has been your best and your worst moments? Question two, what do you think of the gauntlet in Star Trek timelines? Question three, what do you think about the new Star Trek Discovery logo and their production trailer? And question, someone's put in question four, what I've already put in question three. So yeah, don't worry about that. It's three questions. (laughs) So that's six questions this week. Well, there's three questions for this week and three questions from last week if you would like to be in for a chance to win some prizes. We expect your essays on next week, Friday. (laughs) If they are not turned in, you will receive detention and they will be graded from A to F, but I'm a sad act, so they're most likely all going to be F. See you all next week. (laughs) (laughs) So... As always, you can get a hold of us all over our social media channels on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, Star Trek, Riser, and Player.me. Just search for us at Tribbles in XTC. You can send us an email at hosts at tribblesinxtc.com or you can leave us a message using the SpeakPipe widget on the Tribbles in XTC pages, including the official posts for each of the episodes or by going to speakpipe.com forward slash tribbles in XTC. You can find us in syndication 
on trekradio.net and subspace-radio.net every Wednesday. And you can also get us on iTunes and, in America, get us on Google Play. So, plenty of ways to get in touch with your feedback. All right, well, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for tuning in, and we will catch you next week. Goodbye, everyone. Bye! Bye. Cheerio! satellite radio for our remastered shows and more you can follow us on twitter at tribbles in xtc or if you have any questions or comments please send an email to tribbles in ecstasy at gmail.com join us next week for another episode of tribbles in ecstasy the only place where tribbles and klingons are friends